Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.8. When you have to flip the double bird to your own stadium, things aren't going that well. crazy but i was nervous what on michigan's like first drive and then like uh, because of the third and 14 no just kind of in general and then i was nervous when barrett missed the tackle on third down because so much just goes wrong against michigan state you know well it used to All right. Okay, you can just <laughs> blithely dismiss the the history so, of the series now. I so guess I assume you watched the Penn State Ohio State game. I did. So I watched that, and then I was watching some of um, Oregon Wazoo, and then it was like sort of time to eat dinner because it's getting to be about five o'clock, and I'm like, well, I should get my computer out and my other computer, and make sure I'm doing the charting and all that stuff, and I was kind of wandering, not wandering, I'm walking around and getting everything set, and for a minute, I forgot who we were playing. Wow. Because I was like, oh, yeah, we're playing a night game. I'm not going. Probably going to win by 49. <laughs> it was- as long as we have some bad clock management at the end of the first half. We'll yeah, win by well, that's to get talk about later. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, I, I get that you get nervous because in any of these games, anything can go wrong. And it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, like, I don't know if you stay up for the Washington game, but they'd like, they could have easily yes. almost lost to Arizona State. Mm-hmm. So, like, that stuff is real. Yeah. And Oklahoma almost lost. Right. I mean, but they're playing like a functional team. And I don't know. I mean, Michigan yeah. just doesn't care. And I, I I was talking to Seth when I walked in and I was like, you know, people worry and, and scream or yell about the schedule and who Michigan's playing. And, and I'm really fighting this, but like it, it's starting to seem like it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's a fair assessment. And when you go to the fancy stats that try to take all this stuff into account, they're still like Michigan is the best team in the country. Because as you said, you know, Georgia struggles for more than a half against a couple of low-level SEC opponents. Washington barely escapes one of the worst teams in Power Five. USC. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, even Lost to a pig farmer. This is, this is college football. Like to be able to go out and just absolutely demolish everybody on your schedule doesn't happen. So it does, but those teams that we've watched do it are the teams we've been deathly afraid of for fifteen years. Right. Yeah. Like They're, Ohio State and Alabama and I, Dorsey. And I remember when I can't. It was the twenty twelve. I think somewhere around that time, HTTV and somebody wrote an article. When will we be Bama? Oh God, that was my article. And maybe it was in 11 years. Well, it was... Boy, that's we, a deep cut. Yeah, man. <laughs> and I want to point out that article was about like how we're not going to be Bama. I know. Bama was doing things that Michigan cannot do at that point. But like, 
You know what this team is? The guy who was like unacceptable for years and years at Michigan. He's like this. What? Like, you know, this oh, the ex- unacceptable, like the the yeah. guy on the radio. Yeah, this this team is acceptable. This- <laughs> <laughs> and so I I was quickly not very nervous. <laughs> Good, Brian. <laughs> It took about three drives, and I'm like, all right. Three we, drives. We got this. Oh. You're up 14 nothing. I'm like, all right, we're good. We're good. This isn't going to happen. And then, you know, by the time it's 42 nothing, what do we get? We get an epic double bird from Nick Samak. <laughs> and do you know who he was epi- epic double birding? Was it Seth you? Seth Fisher. I was, yeah, he was right at us. Wait, you were in the first row, weren't you? <laughs> I wasn't in the first row. Oh. We moved down. All the Michigan fans kind of moved down and yeah. globbed around the, the Michigan the bench. bench. So, like... You know, and the it was great because there was so much interaction with the team, and like they were so excited we were there. That's why I was not worried at all because like the Spartan fans were already quiet, and then like the Michigan fans are super loud. Well, yeah, so the, like, it was a Michigan were, home game. They were probably already in bed on the first first down of the game. You could hear a "Let's Go Blue" chant. You could, yeah, on the television. You could, yeah. Well, I I, I was wondering if they were going to quiet us or something like that because it was. Loud, like M- let's go blue was really loud. We did the 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 dance like the the Yoast dance uh-huh. at the end of the fourth quarter, and like then they started playing music over that just because they were annoyed at us. Yeah, they, I remember. <laughs> I distinctly remember them. They played music over the loudspeaker to cover the Michigan band. They kept you could hear. That, yeah. I was like, well, I don't think the state band's playing because, well, I I mean, I think they have a first down, but and so then it must be the Michigan band, and then all of a sudden, like you hear this blaring of music and. It was relatively empty, yeah. so you get the echo then too off of it because no one's in the stadium. Yeah, and it was just very <laughs> well. So the the only Michigan fans that stayed in their seats were the band because they're not allowed to look. Like, it's too obvious. So they, they moved. That's something so. that's kind of <laughs> worth talking about too because they moved them to the upper deck, right? Yeah, they stuck them in the upper deck. And corner. usually, Michigan is band has always been on like in that yeah. awkward corner of the, the end field. Zone corner, and, yeah. yeah, but it added the vibe because what they did is they stuck them up in the upper hand cor- upper corner there, right? And so the band got their really early and just started playing their hits and like so everyone's tailgating to like the michigan marching band playing up in the corner and it's like super loud because they like they got this whole like you know atmosphere going on it was it was very nice if we keep talking about the band i'm gonna start saying how they need to just do I, what nobody in the big 10 does and just bring your band everywhere because like you watch a, a random middle of the road sec game and both teams have their bands and they're just going at each other and yeah. like this is just what happens i mean and if they like, didn't have we the doing? band we were yeah that's that's their yeah. culture and also the yeah. sec is geographically a lot more compact or at least is currently uh, yeah. <laughs> i mean parts of it are but other parts are not so much yeah i mean but like going to minnesota is a flight and it's mostly a bus in the sec oh, so, so that you, kind of thing anyway uh, anyway i love this team yeah. Speaking I, of things we love, yeah. here we go. We'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the mgoblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Human Element, Winewood Organics, Signal Wire, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, Venue by 4M, where we are right now, and introducing autographed rewarding fans and app where you earn rewards for things like reading MGO blog and listening to our podcast. Check it out. Search autograph on the Apple store. Yeah. I love this team. Oh my God. The, so one of the nice things about a night game on NBC is you get this extended post game. And so Harbaugh actually talks to the reporter for 15 seconds mm-hmm. before passing it off <laughs> to various people. And so like JJ talks and then they talk to Sainer still. 
and they're about to cut away. Uh huh. Yes. Saint Rousseau will not let them. Yes. <laughs> He's yes. Like, one second. One second. Real quick. Jaden McBurrows. After everything he went through last year, he gets a pick. He gets three tackles. Stay tuned. And I'm like, I would take a bullet for Mike Saint. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I. I don't know how I'm not gonna like tear up a little bit at the Ohio State game when they announce him for the last time. Oh yeah. Like th- I mean, you're gonna you're gonna hear cheers for like Corum and and Corum's like my guy and and obviously JJ and then you just get the Sainter still and. Like he's he's the quintessential like every man because he comes from Massachusetts. Massachusetts. He was a Don Brown. He was uh, played both sides of the ball. At points, we were wondering, you know, where is he going to fit? Does he even have a spot? And now he's like he's the first guy uh, coming out of the tunnel that hits the banner, gets everyone around him, and he's the fire up guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. There are other guys who are Michigan legends from this era, right? Like JJ and Aiden, all these guys who are just, you know, first name, no last name, and you can't do that with Mikey. Well, you yeah. can do, you that, can with do that with Mikey, yeah. buddy. You can. But I think St. Russell's story and Barrett's story are quintessentially what this era of Michigan football is about because they develop. Mm-hmm. They develop better than anyone in the country, and they find good dudes, like great dudes. And, you know, during the – the broadcast, there was sort of a brief aside from the sideline reporter about how, like, Harbaugh's recruiting philosophy is now, like, 90%. What are this guy's parents like? <laughs> <laughs> he's got a wall of fa- – he's got the family wall now. So I, I like, got, that's, his whole, that's his whole thing. I got bad news for my son. <laughs> <laughs> he's very small. He would never play football in the first place. Anyway. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, man, like, this – Everyone, the, the, the question this week, and it was phrased in different ways by different fan bases, but the question was this week is how is Michigan respond because of last year's incident in the tunnel? Because, you know, the stuff going on now that, you know, they're all, there's just like, how is Michigan going to act? Are they going to just be mad? And Michigan's way of being mad is just beat you on the field, and then at the end, McBurrows gets the interception. What's the last play? It's Green's twin brother getting to have a TFL at the very end, and like he's not played at all this year. And then like that he came back, there. like that was he the came thing. Back the, he came back, and then like they make sure he's out there at the end in hopes that he could get a play, and he does make the, the final play. And then everyone comes around him. Everyone knows exactly what the meaning is. It wasn't about Michigan State at all. It was about, and then they sing for he's a jolly good fellow. They're such dorks. <laughs> That's because what, that's what we are. I know. It's like, what, we're the same. We, when the same act gave us the double bird, we tried to sing for he's a jolly good fellow at him. <laughs> this, is, this is like the culture that Harbaugh's created. It's like they made him go blog the football team. Like they – like I mean that – I don't know if I mean that in a nice way. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that. But, I, I, I but think like, we made Michigan the blog, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But like the thing about Dabo for a long time was like he never recruited – the Alabama guys, but he created a culture and people used to come back for their senior years or fifth years when they could go to the draft because they wanted to win a national championship at Clemson. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that and you're like, man, like that's how do you do that? Right. And it was sort of like the whole thing was about like the the culture that he made, the the, the locker room, the people, the stories they told and stuff. And that's like what Harbaugh sort of redone since like the COVID season was you get in and like that twenty one team, like remember how like they go to Wisconsin and they like have the they jump around, right? Like they out jump around Wisconsin yeah. mm-hmm. and then they bring the chairs and then they like the thing at, at Nebraska where they're firing around on the field during their third quarter stuff and and I mean like 
then you just play that out a year and two and like you get all the sound bits from this past summer and and Harbaugh's like oh yeah like we don't like we coach but like the younger players know that they need to look to the older players and the older players know that we're going to set the example and we're going to teach you what you ha- what you need to do and how you need to be the same was still story about Josh Wallace hey when you get into town you hit me up I'll show you exactly what you what you need to do you follow me around I'll get you, you know, taken care of or whatever and he's like I was already planning on doing that is what Wallace said so it's just like you do that enough, and you drown out the noise. Well, it's, and it, I think we need to be pointed out because it's so unique in sports right now that it's positive. That all the things they do, like you say, like for he's a Johnny fellow is is dorky. It, it is, is dorky. It is. It absolutely is dorky. But you know what? Also, it is positive. It's not they hate us. Yeah. And like you know, it's so easy to try to like go and get like a a copy of what they're saying in the locker room afterwards, and you're going to hear a lot of like, yeah, we destroyed their. You know, we it's it's all negativity, yeah. right? Because negative energy can get you pumped up and get you you know want to go out and fight a war, but to do it with positivity is. Very unique in sports. Well, and and that comes from the guys on the team, particularly I think JJ McCarthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it starts at Harbaugh, but then no, yeah. it does not start at Harbaugh. Uh, <laughs> like, I I would like, disagree, I would disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, no, that is kind of Harbaugh's bag, though. No, I mean, I I think that Harbaugh is a weird guy, and I don't mm-hmm. think that he. You just describe all these people as being weird. I know, but like, I think that he needs help in these departments. And that's why having Biff Pogey around was so important. Mm-hmm. And I think Pogey is a big part of this, even though he left to go be the head coach at Charlotte. I think he, you know, I think Harbaugh credited him a lot with the reset, with the culture, with his mm-hmm. relationship with the players. And then you have guys like Quorum and JJ. Like, I mean. But they all love Harbaugh. I know. It's yeah. all. But, but that, so you wasn't, don't, that wasn't the vibe around the a program when Shea Patterson was here. It, Correct. Yeah, and that's told, why I said yeah. is after that era – well, yeah, the culture well, changed. Know, Brian's saying is, I mean, he re- – and the, some of the assistant coaches probably deserve credit too. Like Ron yeah. Bellamy is a certain kind of person, right? Yeah. Sharon Moore is a certain kind of person. Klinkscale is a certain kind of person. So – and he, they were part of that too, right? Like those guys come in with a certain personality that's like we are not about hating everybody else. We are about being the best versions of ourselves. When J.J. McCarthy comes in – I going to say Mike Hart, but I guess not. <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, Mike Hart always did it with kind of a smirk, right? He like, did. and like that, he was responding to a thing. You know, there, he wasn't the first person to say "little brother." He was responding to ask he someone asked him. Asked, it brother. was a do you think? Well, that's true. <laughs> he was responding. Do you think Michigan State is a little brother? And he gives that smirk, and like that smirk is still positivity. That's like you know, well, yeah, I'm part of I'm part of this fun. I mean, let's not overstate it too much. I'm sure Michigan was very happy to dunk Michigan State into the center of the earth. With football. Well, yeah, yeah. Sure. Because Michigan State was trying to dunk Michigan in the center of the earth a different way. Well, I guess. I mean, there was that Austin Meek article on The Athletic was like, is this too toxic a rivalry? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, bro, nothing is going to happen. I mean, we, we got if Michigan was actually in a game with Michigan State, things might start happening. But where would they be coming from? Yeah. Well, and the cool thing was, and maybe this is later, but like, you know, you get the typical state shot, right? Where it's a uh, Spencer Brown, like, mm-hmm. jumps on, yeah. McGregor. on McGregor and like headbutts him into the ground. And then McGregor doesn't say anything. He just gets up, kind of dusts himself off, and they throw him out of the game and we move on. Yeah. And they, that was it. State had 11 penalties for 102 yards in this game. And I think only one of them was like not a cheap shot. 
like kind of penalty. Well, I mean, like the kick catch interference wasn't. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But (laughs) you know, I I was categorizing him in like things that like are contact, non-contact kind of injury. And eleven for 102 yards, and at that point they had I think 98 yards of offense. We got There's going to be like so many Rutgers from this game. I got to break it all down. Where's Patrick? Patrick. Run him down. But <laughs> and you know what? I, I also I mean the state fans were done with it. I don't want to get into like you know my old about like you know right. who Michigan State are, but like those fans were gone in the second before the second half. Well, I mean, what happens when you are at an opposing stadium as a fan and you start like chanting let your your chant mm-hmm. is that the home fans immediately respond with a much louder version of their chant. And right. that did not happen in this game. No. First first down, let's go blue chants all across the stadium. Michigan State fans say nothing. Yeah. They're checked out. They're <laughs> done. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wasn't this weekend. That probably happened several weeks well, ago. Well, they have a they have a pre-programmed go green, go white cheer at the, end of the, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And that thing was just hilarious because they come out with the cards to say go green and go white. And, like, they have a couple of state fans on the go green side. So it's go green, go blue. (laughs) That's very satisfying because they deserve it. That program deserved to get dropkick into the middle of the earth. Mm -hmm. 42 to nothing, 49 to nothing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Alex Orgy. By Michigan putting up. More Hitlers on the scoreboard than points. <laughs> I wasn't as, in the stadium as, for that. As Ryan Nanny tweeted <laughs> out. I think it's time to play the game again. The incompletions game? In the incompletions game. All right, we're, we're, right. we're going to stop talking about the vibes. We're actually going to talk about the uh, offense. offense that Michigan put out there. And as is tradition, we are going to individually dissect every So I have them all in front of me. J.J. McCarthy. So, so name, name them slowly, and I'll check them off and see if you guys can get all six. Uh, of twenty-one or twenty-seven. Miss, Mrs. Blake Corum on a on like in the in the flat. Like, yes, on the too high swing pass. Correct. Yeah. Throws it behind Roman Wilson on a deep over route. Uh, that is also correct. He overshoots um, Tyler, he, Morris. Tyler Morris after the defensive back falls down. He had a walk-in touchdown at the end. That is three. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they had a good PBU number five. Oh, yeah, there's a PBU on – no, that was Jack Tuttle. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> no, there was a really good PBU that one of their guys had. Oh, yeah. It, the, there was a couple incompletions in a row on the uh, late half drive. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the – So player. the first one was a was an underthrown slot fade to Roman Wilson on, like, the third pass of the game. It was only a little – like, that was – It was behind him. No, I, I, thought, I thought Wilson just kind of – Turned around late and then he dropped got, it. Well, he he got his hand grabbed by the defensive back and couldn't use both hands. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a CA. Okay. Um, then the second was the quorum too high that you mentioned. And then we have the behind Wilson on the over route. That's three. Um, the one, the wide open Morris, which you mentioned, that's four. And then Morris gets hit in the stomach. And drops oh, it. Just, yeah, that's yeah. just a flat drop on that drive. Yeah, and then the that was sort of that bomb. was the Morris. I'm sorry, I overthrew you. Here's your second shot, and then and just put it in, right in his eight, uh-huh. and he uh, didn't catch it. And then the other one was uh, he was behind on an out route to Barner. That's what I had. Yeah, that was then that was the PBU, right? Or uh, I didn't have it as a PBU, but it could have been. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ooh. so that that's six. That's it. And then he the uh, the other twenty one were pretty good. I mean, there were three or four God. like. 
holy cow. Like, we just, I started laughing after, like, the second Loveland touchdown. You're just the like. The second Loveland touchdown, I think, is going to be a plus three in my grading. <laughs> that right? was, yeah. That was incredible. I, I mean, you see that if you watch enough NFL, you'll see one a week. Yeah, that's something Tom Brady did. Yeah. That is a Tom Brady throw. Where, where like, you just, you see where the line, because it's not technically open. You've got two guys between you and the th- guy you're throwing to. But. The disposition of those guys. He knows, yeah. Yeah. He knows that it's Cal Halliday, and he's not going to be able to keep up, and he's not going to be able to He's not going to get his head around it. And, yeah, and the ball whizzes by Halliday's ear because he has no idea it's even coming. Well, and then the first Loveland touchdown was just like – Loveland actually puts on a little bit of a move that gets Groves to turn around. Mm -hmm. It's very subtle, Mm -hmm. but it's excellent. It puts him in box-out position, and J.J. is just like, I got it. Yeah. I'm like, how does he see that? It was just a missile down the seam. Yeah, and and like – well, they he, did have an offsides on that one, which I don't takes think away they called any it. Fe- they did. They, they the flag flew. Oh, it did out. it. Okay, yeah. we didn't see it. Yeah, but. we didn't see it on the broadcast. Oh, but the uh, yeah the yeah because when sh- you have that, you're just like you know yeah. But the sheer Yolo. confidence with like I yeah. got this. Yeah, bang touchdown yeah. was like good god. Um, but and, then on the first drive back when you were nervous, yeah. <laughs> so it was like third and whatever, and he and JJ like breaks the pocket, rolls out, and then sort of throws. Not completely back, but like slightly back behind his body to Barner for the first down mm. and fits it in. And he had a couple more throws like that where he's fitting him into these really small windows. Yeah, we got to we got to talk about that because last week mm-hmm. there was the uh, one behind the one yeah. that was behind Johnson so that he could avoid a robber. And there were there was another one in this game where it's just like a couple of inches past the outstretched finger of uh, a defender, mm-hmm. and it's like, how do we feel about that? Because they are completions, they are pinpoint, yeah, they, they're exactly where they need to be. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, does he know he can throw it there fast enough? Like, does he have the timing in his head so well that he I knows like don't the ball's going to be in my tight end's hands before this guy gets there? I kind of feel like the one last week is not ideal because. It's one thing if you're fitting it in a small window where you're putting it on the guy's number, and it's mm-hmm. another thing where you're actually putting it behind the guy. Right. Which kind of feels like... Because it could get tipped, or like if the guy's reaching back, the well, receiver, and, and he doesn't quite get two hands on it. It kind of feels like he didn't see the, the Indiana player. Yeah. And he got lucky. And but, I'm not sure about this one. But, but, he, but if the, he keeps doing it... This, one the, I, this one's more defensible, because this one he had the guy dragging... And so he had all the space outside, yeah. and he throws it outside. So if he whips it there, and it, it goes past the receiver's fingers, it just falls out of bounds. It's not yeah. going to be dangerous. The one you're talking about, though, he, he thought he was going to throw a drag. They cut off the drag, or the, the, the dig, right? Yeah. They cut off the dig, so he throws behind the dig and doesn't see that there's another defender behind there. So no, no, the, you're talking about the Indiana Indiana game, game, yeah. So the Indiana one, he can wait and, and that window clears and then mm-hmm. he can throw it. And instead he throws it in the first window. Yeah. So. Uh, but I mean, he, he also did it against TCU last year. Yeah, but he also got a pick six against TCU. Well, but that's. That was behind a receiver. Right, I know. And that, that was a different throw, though. This is, that wasn't a tight window. That was a bad decision. This is one where he goes down the field and fits it into an NFL window and hits a guy in the hands. I mean, that's, that's a different sort of read and throw. Like you can't. It's very hard to throw those out routes on, like on those pick sixes because mm-hmm. like if you're a smidge late, this is actually down the field. I, I might, mean, I guess if we're yeah. talking about one incident per game where they're like this completion was a little dodgy, and yeah. most of the time if the completion is a little dodgy, what's the bad outcome there? Is it's a PBU? It's not going to be an interception because right. the guy's reaching out and barely getting a hand on it. Mm-hmm. So, 
This concludes everything negative that we can possibly say about J.J. <laughs> McCarthy's performance in this game. Yeah. Now let's talk about J.J. McCarthy breaking the pocket. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, the one – so I had him he, – he took a bad sack, but then and then he had a, a zone read I had. And then the third run that I charted was I just – my note was Houdini. Like he's like engulfed, he's going to be sacked, and then he's not, and he's running away, and State has seven guys he's, laying on the ground He's in got the a linebacker coming right at him, and the guy has him dead to rights, and he just casually steps around him. Just like, was it last week or the week before, where the guy's coming off the edge and has him dead to rights, and well, he was just... was last week, that was blindside, too. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but there was a defensive end dropping into the, his first read, and mm-hmm. I think the, he was just like, oh, that means there's a blitz coming behind me. Yeah. Like, I think he just, it just popped into his head. Mm-hmm. And so that's how he, he avoided that one. This one, he probably should have tossed it to Donovan Edwards just for, like, vibes. But, <laughs> you know, we want Don- Donovan's like, come on, yeah. come on. You can see him on the screen. Not like, me anymore. I'm, I'm sticking to my hot take from last week. We, we, just, we did no Donovan stats for a game. Well, we'll see. But <laughs> he broke the pocket to get that Barner completion. Mm-hmm. He hits a touchdown to, to Wilson mm-hmm. on another one. Yeah, uh, There is the sack where he – Gets out over his skis, but then he immediately throws a touchdown after that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I don't know what you do with him. Because if you try to rush him, is it worth it? Like, it feels kind of like Sean Clifford, except mm-hmm. worse. Because if you kept Sean Clifford in the pocket, you know, he was okay. He wasn't great. Yeah. If you keep J.J. McCarthy in the pocket, he's just going to throw those dig routes all day and you're going to die. I, but I if mean, you rush him, it's worse. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I thought still had the best plan, which was blitz him a lot to, like, take away his receiving options. And then, you know, just you're not going to win them all. But if you can win enough they of them. didn't win any of them. <laughs> I think. I think <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I still think it was the best plan. It's not a good one. You don't know how to have any good plans. And, this is and the best one. This is going to go against everything that a defense or defensive coordinator believes in. But it's a little bit like. You you have to, if you can blitz him or rush him, but you don't do it to sack him. Like you, you're the goal of this is not to get a sack. It is to corner and push him into a way because I think he's still going to think he's going to be able to suck you in and then juke you out and get around the corner and get free. But if you break down and you just sort of are rushing to contain and move him to a side, then you might be able to get a throw away or you might be able to force a bad decision. But if you try to say okay. We're all going to take our shot. It's sort of like when you watch those Kung Fu movies and there's like one guy against seven and like they're all like, all right, we're all going to line up and go at him one at a time. He's just going to beat you every single time. But if you kind of go at him together in a way and not necessarily where one person is going to make the play, but in the end, you're all just right there. That's the only thing you can do. Well, and that's one thing about. I mean, Vince Young. Remember how Michigan had Vince Young dead to rights in that stupid Rose Bowl game? I don't want to talk about that. No, but it is. (laughs) But it's the perfect analogy because we we, have the kings of this. We were like, we are. No, no, no. We're doing so great. So let's bring up something like miserable. (laughs) Are are, are you done whining yet, guys? Because the point is catching strays. the, the, (laughs) The point is, is that like. The defense there worked until it didn't because they got to him. It's just that nobody tried to contain him. They all wanted a four-yard, eight-yard sack. And so he would beat everybody one-on-one. Well, and that's what McCarthy does to you is he may, he freezes you and beats you. And then the next guy comes up. But if there's two or three guys and you try to move him to one side, then he can't get away and he might still make the throw. I mean – But he's not going to get out and everyone's open. So – one thing about this offensive line is when it breaks down in pass protection, 
it's one breakdown. Mm-hmm. Mm. So often what you need to get a sack is you need two guys getting through. And the first guy gets through explosively, and the second guy is just kind of like doing okay, and then he gets to clean up. What happens with Michigan is it's one guy. Like at no point during this season has have two guys gotten beat at the same like time. Like simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like so in this game you see a stunt where Michigan doesn't pick it up, but it's just one guy. Yeah. And so quarterbacks are often able to escape, especially when they have the athleticism of J.D. McCarthy. So unless you're confident enough in your pass rush that you think you can get two guys there consistently, it just doesn't seem to make that much sense to apply a lot of pressure to them. I don't know if Penn State can do that if Chop Robinson is not available, and it didn't yeah. look like he was going to be available. No, he did not. Look, I mean, they do have the linebackers, because one of the ways that we were destroying State is that like every time Cal Halliday got on a tight end, it's like, oh! All right, wait, let, let's talk about that. Yeah. I think A.J. Barner might be the best tight end I've seen at Michigan. Did anyone here predict that in preseason? No. No. Okay, I, was, so, I thought I was like the A.J. Barner stand. So and you guys are both wrong that again. That Alex was saying to me all throughout the game, he's like, hey, do you remember my hot take from the preseason? I was like, Alex, you have a lot of hot takes. And he goes, <laughs> I said that A.J. Barner has a chance to be all Big Ten. And I was laughed at. He's like, where are you now? I didn't laugh at him. I was all he's, over. He's our opponent scout guy, so he's the guy who knows about AJ Barner. So maybe yeah. you should listen to him. Well, it's hard to when you know you just saw AJ Barner do things at Indiana, and you're like, ah, he's okay. Now he's the best blocking tight end in the country, except for maybe Max Bredesen, and his who's <laughs> <laughs> also apparently on the team. His ability yeah. as a receiver is nuts. Like the, yeah. on, on the two minute drill drive, it's second and ten. They dump him something with. Fi- like a five yard out, he, mm-hmm. he spins through a tackle and sort of gazelles his way for 12 yards <laughs> and trucks gets out of another guy and yeah. goes out of bounds. And like a couple of weeks ago, he had a he had plus three in my charting for Yak, and I didn't clip either of them because I'm a dick <laughs> <laughs> and an idiot. And it's okay. The gap between Colson Loveland and Barner as a receiver is real, and it's not that big. And the gap between Loveland and Barner as a blocker is real and pretty big. Yeah. So I think they're both high-end talents. But if you had, if you made me choose, I would choose Barner. It's it's well, it's Kittle versus Fant. Right, but but I. <sighs> and like you know, you've got the guy who you put him out wide, and Michigan was doing that by the way a lot. They were putting yeah. uh, Loveland out as a wide receiver. They were putting Barner out as a wide receiver, yeah. and it it was fine. Yeah. Like. I mean, I know the game wasn't close for very long, but it did feel like when it was still, I don't know, we'll just say the first half, first Michigan quarter. Michigan basically was using Corum in the backfield with a little bit of Edwards here there, but then they were going with their two tight ends, Barner and Loveland, and then CJ and Wilson. And they used different formations. But, I mean, in the past we've seen a lot of rotation of different people coming in and out, and a lot of times in those first few drives, that's what it felt like. And it's because... You can use them all in very different ways. Yeah, and the thing is, is like you can split those guys out wide to a trip side, and you can run Donovan Edwards out there. Mm-hmm. And what the hell is the defense supposed to do? Nothing. Because if you try to jump the flare out and Colston Loveland runs by you, I mean, yeah. see ya, game over. Yeah. But if you don't, then, I mean, Edwards has a, a third and 13 conversion on a flare screen, which yeah. I think Michigan just ran because it was no man's land and they wanted to get in fourth and six or something. Mm-hmm. 
But and they figured out, hey, maybe if we just get the ball to him in space. Well, and, and Roman Wilson doesn't actually make the key block. No, gets, he has to get out of the way. He gets pushed back so far <laughs> that the space between Roman Wilson getting pushed back and the defender who pushed him back is the space that Edwards gets scribbled. <laughs> yeah. He like runs in like through the middle of the block. We're like, oh, excuse me, guys. Yeah, and, and Wilson's like, whoa, and jumping back so that Edwards can get through. Do you know sometimes there are plays where I'm just like, how? God damn it! How am I supposed to grade? <laughs> like, I would. I mean, those, that one's easy. You just take the points from Roman Wilson and give them to Edwards. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, but yeah, man. Um, the uh, I, but Michigan's. Matchup. Michigan just won this game on the matchups. As soon as they got out there, they're like, "You do not have the guys to cover our." Every dudes. single player that Michigan had was better than every single player Michigan State had. Indeed. I mean, is that not close to being true for two months now? Yes. Yeah. But so the one kind of you know, are you going to grumble about the running game? Well, we got to talk about it. Yeah. Like it was fairly stagnant. Yeah. Like, Michigan. I think early in the game, Michigan was pulling out stuff. That they thought it was like the Iocane powder thing, mm-hmm. where it's like they know we're going to run duo, and then Michigan State's like we know they're going to run duo, but they know that we know that they're going to run duo. So you get that windback that's a TFL, yeah, and that's just an RPS. And the next play is a T delay mm-hmm. that they they're sitting on, and that's an RPS, yeah. And so it kind of felt like Michigan actually could have just straight up said, "All right, we're going to run duo," and Michigan State was expecting all the rivalry stuff, yeah, and then. When Michigan ran all the rivalry stuff, Michigan State was ready for it. Right. And then the the just base run game looked a lot better than the frippery. And Michigan overdid it. Too. I mean, there was that the wineback, I called it, that it was going to be a wineback right on the field at that moment because they put Darius Clemens in and took both of their starting receivers out. And, you know, Michigan's for ages when they put their freshman receiver out there. It's well, a run thing. So, the, the, so they, they actually had Clemens out there, and they had Fred Moore out there mm-hmm. for multiple pass plays. Yeah. I mean, they are – I don't think that's as big of a tip as it used to be. But I, I just remember in that exact moment, I was like, okay, and they got Bredesen on the backside, which means they're going to run around. It, it, it felt like – Yeah, and Michigan yeah. State was, like, prepped for it. And yeah. I talked about this in the UFR last week when there were two different linebacks. Mm-hmm. One of them where the – where Wilson runs it, and the other one was Bredesen. Well, no, it, that didn't have anything to do yeah. with it. It was the fact that Aaron Casey sucked so far into the line on the first one that he could only barely right. recover 10 yards downfield, and he didn't do that on the second one, and that's why Edwards got tackled for two yards. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't suck into the line at all, and the linebacker is sitting on wineback, you get right. tackled for loss. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that I'm going to come away from this game with blocking grades that are terrible. Yeah. I mean... I do think that Michigan is lacking some explosives in the run game, and I do feel like you know we're going to find some some issues. But the other thing is that they were running twist blitzes the whole day. It was like yeah. watching D'Antonio ten years ago. Yeah, it's like double A gap twist blitz. Yeah, one two three four five six seven eight nine ten. Yeah, <laughs> and those plays are usually you know zero. Or 20. Yeah. And Michigan was somehow getting four or five on these for most of the time. But I, I feel like... Well, they, yeah, there was like a Michigan... Michigan State was jamming up the, the the line, and then Michigan would like somehow push a guy by. So it was, should have been zero, but I think that you're going to find some plus blocks in there and some RPS minuses. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the case. And then as soon as Michigan like threw the ball, everybody's like, oh, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> well, I mean, the box score has 34 carries for Michigan, right? And uh-huh. five are orgy, 
and four Ben Hall and one is Tuttle. So they're at twenty four carries. So you didn't even they didn't even really run the ball. So twenty four carries much. versus I think twenty six McCarthy attempts. Yeah. Uh he had twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. So for the first time this year, I believe McCarthy had more attempts than rushes. There, for there you go. There you go, two thousand twenty one Washington complainers. And he had like one or two maybe on that first drive of the third quarter, I think. So they ran the ball more on that drive into the second half. So I think that they were pretty pass heavy in the first half. And I mean, especially because they started running that two-minute drive. So that they started yeah. like, passes start ticking up. And I mean, that's just the thing is like I, you can worry if you need to find something to worry about, you're always going to be able to do that. But like if what it takes to give Michigan fits in the running game is what just gets you quickly murdered down the field in the passing game. I mean, Ohio State found that out last year, and I don't think it's changed a lot. No, I think we're maybe moving to a situation where, you know, the running game has driven positives in RPS for the passing game for Mm -hmm. the whole Harbaugh era. And we are maybe reaching a, a point where that could invert itself, where if Michigan wants to, they can be slightly more pass first on first down because... I mean, look at what's happening. And yeah. I, don't, I mean, it's Harbaugh, so I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. But here, it did feel like Michigan expected Michigan State to, like, go, we're not going to let them run on us. Yeah. And they were pretty open, and they just blew down the field. It's just kind of funny because, like, J.J.'s having his, you know, sort of Heisman campaign He's here. He's a favorite now. And... He's the betting favorite. O- opposing defenses are like, but we can't let them run it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a I good mean, point. like, I yeah. mean, like, yeah. <laughs> this guy might be the best player quarterback in the country. Harbaugh thinks he's the best quarterback to ever play at Michigan, and they're just terrified of the running game. He may not be wrong about that. Oh, man. I don't think he is. Like I. I mean, and I'm the history guy. I, I, I could bring up the Benny Friedmans and the Harry Newmans, and I still think that the way that J.J. is affecting the game right now, it, we have not had a quarterback like I this. just have never seen Michigan have a quarterback where the game is this slow for them. I th- Everything is in slow motion for him. I think 2023 Tom Brady would be well pretty good. Yeah. Because what? <laughs> what? Cause Tom, I mean, yeah. Tom, like, if Tom Brady was, like, that Tom Brady, like, the – Michigan version of Tom Brady was playing in 2023. Oh, back in you mean like in, instead he was of 20 for okay, Lloyd yeah. Carr and getting the Dan Reeves has John Elway treatment. Yeah, where it's like okay, go win us the game finally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and well, it also the offensive line was so like damaged in '99. Like he was he was on his uh, was running for his life, and he was not a, Brady could not break. Tackles well, in the no, backfield he, the way he wasn't that, an yeah. athlete, like yeah. But I mean, he was nails. Yeah, I mean, that's but that's really I think the only comparison. Like I, I don't think that there's anybody else. I mean, it was Before, it, it was Harbaugh in the in well, yeah. I mean, that was mm-hmm. I mean they're the same player, and it just seems like this is Harbaugh two point It is. Yeah. All right, we got anything else burning on our chests that we I, need to get? I thought they did a good job of getting the ball to Edwards in space like not the carries but like they flipped it to him a few times and they got him like like you like you had like the the end around and then they mm-hmm. they threw the ball to him a couple times I mean then that's just every time that happens it's just more data points for this is how you use this guy man I I know they want to use him as a running back but like 
when push comes to shove in a, in a few weeks, and then the games at that point are only going to get harder, the Quorum's your guy. And Edwards is a great complimentary piece, and there are ways he can be extremely effective. And every week when they use him in those ways, he proves to be yeah, just he's, really good. When, we, when we're playing Penn State or Ohio State, Edwards is not going to be frustrated with his role in the, in the game. Like I hope not. I, I hope yeah. beating up on these teams. I like, mean, I, I just... I don't know. I think A.J. Barner stole a bunch of snaps from guys who thought they were going to have more snaps. Yeah. Like Tyler Morris. Yeah. And Edwards, probably. And it's just like, he's too good to put on the bench. Like, I think two of the last three weeks, he's been the guy with the most snaps among the wide receivers and tight ends. Yeah. He, he had well, more yards, and he had double the amount of completion or catches as, like, the second-place guy. Colson Loveland had four, and Barner had eight. I mean, the only time I've seen Edwards like down on the sideline or anything was when he didn't get the touchdown against Indiana, mm. and now and then they got him a touchdown and everyone cheers him. And he was like one of the first guys off the bench cheering when you know they did anything this game. So yeah. Edwards is part of the team. He's not. He's not a problem. For, e- everyone's here for one reason. Yeah, and to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, he didn't like that one. It fell flat. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back, talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Hey folks, Tom Brady and the team at Autograph have just announced the release of a game-changing new app that recognizes Michigan fans for their acts of fandom. The Autograph app gives you access to all your favorite Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Top Fans Rewarded and download it for free today. Use the referral code MGOBLOG. Blog. 
Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's Folks, I, I went to a wine dinner here at Venue, and it was amazing. And Chef Thad put together a five-course tasting menu, and every taste was better than the last. And then he came out, and I asked him what the heck he was doing with all this stuff. And he told me, and now I'm going to do it myself. Probably, giving you his, probably a lot worse than Thad. I, I don't care. I, well, okay. Well, well, why don't we have a, a Brian versus Thad well, off? He says he's got another one coming up in January, and I think I'm going to be there as long as I'm not uh, at the Rose Bowl, hopefully. <laughs> so if you see that coming up, it's definitely worth your time. All right. Defensively, Michigan went up against a team that just wasn't ready for the smoke. Mm-hmm. And so the most interesting thing, I think, is that Kate Hauser gets pressured. And it's the second quarter, and he throws a ball, and it's off. But if it was accurate enough to be completed, DJ Waller was going to intercept it. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so, yeah, we were sitting there watching game, and you're like, Thir- 13? Who's 13? I thought it was Josh yeah. Wallace. And then it was yeah. like, DJ Waller's in the game? I'm like, oh. And then you look behind him, and you know who's playing safety? Keon Zab. Yeah. And so you're just like. Well, here we are again. We're rotating because the game is over. Four drives into the game, and well, Brian's it was like still nervous. Fourteen nothing at that point. Well, and Amorian Walker was got a he first played half yeah, he played later, but, but he, yeah. he had a first half PBU. Yeah, yeah. He did. Well, that would have been an interception. The guy had the the receiver grabbed his arm, so he could only like one hand. Oh, it. it was a terrible throw. It was way yeah. too far. Inside. Yeah, he, he was also yeah. a little late. 
I don't know. He wasn't. He was know. stepping in front of that, and the receiver sees he steps in front of it and grabs his arm so that he can only PBU with one hand. But if he had both of his hands, if it wasn't offensive pass interference, he would have caught it and been a pick Come six. On. So, I mean, they didn't, it would have been turned down anyway at that point. Yeah. But um, and so, like the the bad things in this game are like you know Barrett misses a tackle. Mm-hmm. I think Josiah Stewart doesn't get a stunt call on like a second half. Uh, chunk run. They complete some stuff underneath. Uh, and and Jalen Harold, like he didn't get around to get a sack, and then there, and then all of a sudden you got Benny chasing inside out, and the the quarterback got to scramble for a bit. Right, but uh, isn't that in like the second half? Yeah, it's, it's like well, I'm talking about Rashawn Benny. So <laughs> 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 talking about tackle number four, and you know Carter had some decent runs. He managed to break a couple tackles. See a guy? Yeah, I think he's pretty decent. Like. Yeah. He's like the only player I was like, oh, that guy's pretty decent. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think there was a single other Michigan State player. Yeah, maybe Brule, 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 yeah, Krem, Brule. <laughs> They've got to call him Krem, right? Like, there's just no. They don't. They're not that clever. <laughs> you should have seen some of the signs on their sororities and stuff on the walk there. They are just. There's not the the most clever literally thing was like you know Calvin pissing on Michigan's M. Like, that's the best that they could come up with. The secret is to bang the rocks together, guys. Yeah. And they're afraid we're going to steal their signs. Like, we don't want your signs. <laughs> <laughs> they ran the, um, the blocking stunt sack where, where Barrett comes inside. Uh, yeah. And, like, the, this just see like, with the, we've seen Michigan do it a couple times, and Barrett's been actually pretty good at it. I, I just wondered, like, is this any sort of illegal? Like where you, because he engages a tackle who has the guy on him, right? And no, so, as long as it's above the waist. Okay, okay. From it as a defender. Yeah. Okay, because he comes and basically blocks the guy off, so Stewart can. Yeah. The come Noah inside. Furbush. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. for Mo Hurst. No, for uh, for Devin Bush. Devin Bush. Devin Bush. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, there's this like <laughs> constellation of like obscure <laughs> Michigan players who we use as like touchstones for stuff. Uh huh. And nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. No, people people do. Like, the Furbush is a certain thing, right? He, like, he's, yeah. a def- he's a defensive fullback. Yeah. He's a pilot, isn't he? Well, I, yeah. I talked about the three three five a few weeks ago to, like, prepare for Nebraska, and everyone was like, oh, like, the Furbush play. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Everyone was like that? Well, Every- like, the message board replies. My, my aunt from Kentucky was like, the Furbush play? Oh, I got it. Yes. Your aunt, Seth, Seth your hangs aunt out with your aunt a lot. Your aunt from Kentucky calls me all the time. That's right. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, she's like a massive WKU fan, like, like, wants me to break down. I, yeah, she, uh, she's weird. She's actually a professor at WK. <laughs> See? He just proved it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. Anyway, uh, Mason Graham looked Mason Graham-like. Especially oh, God, when they didn't yeah. block him. Uh-huh. They didn't block uh, Braden McGregor yeah. on early TFL where yeah. he plays both sides of the zone read. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, if you've scouted this team at all, you know you have to block. You can't make him the read guy. Yeah, because he plays both sides of it. I mean, who yeah. can you read? Well, his arms More? are too long. Like he's got the outside with righty, and he's got the inside with lefty. You have to block him. <laughs> his go-go gadget arms. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's that's the answer to zone read. Just like which side are you going to pick? You know, but his his reach is ridiculous. And I think Derek Moore had a pretty good game. Like he was able yeah. to get pressure by actually beating tackles. Well, he drew a hold early on when the game. Mm-hmm. Was... Yeah, he should have drawn another one. Yeah, and then he. I'm not sure if he got credit for a half sack, but he arrived at the same time at the quarterback with uh, Mason Graham. Oh, Actually, I, that wasn't a sack. That uh, was just a pressure. I thought – no, I had him down for a sack, yeah. so I thought he had one. But, you know, 
this defense rotates so much that it's really hard to like figure out like who's what. But to, to me, like if Michigan didn't have the depth they had, uh-huh. we would be talking about him like David Ojabo. Yeah. But he rotates so much, so he only gets to flash a couple plays a game, and the defense isn't on the field. <laughs> well, that's the biggest yeah. thing. I mean, well, every single game, I'm, when I'm charting it, I'm like, he ends up like plus seven, minus one. And I'm like, this guy's going to be a dude. On like 20 snaps. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, and then I get to McGregor, and he's like, he's plus eight, minus zero. I'm like, okay, I guess he technically wins. It, it, but that's what you want. Like, these guys are fresh, and they're playing this way. There was a play in this game when State had a third and one. And they bring out a tight end. And so Michigan gets to change out all their guys. And Kenneth Grant comes off the field. So Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins can come back on the field. And, and then Michigan stuffs it. Because what they do is they put Braden McGregor inside. And it was like Aiden Hutchinson. He wins inside. And there's just there, there's, there's no weaknesses. Like if you have a Kenneth no. Grant and it's a, fir- a third and one, what, <laughs> taking team him taking, off the field. what team is taking him off the field? <laughs> But that makes sense because you got Mason Graham coming in, right? Well, I enjoyed the uh, the third and one attempt to edge Jalen Harrell, right? <laughs> where it was just like this is this you, is what this guy was put on this earth to do. I right. mean, this is we're getting to the point of where like there were quotes from early season coaches that Michigan faced that said, uh, "Well, this is the best team that I've looked at on film maybe ever," and. Or that I've played against, or or whatever, and and I mean, we're eight games into the season. They still haven't faced a goal to go, and they're just rotating their best players off the field for players who are better than their best players. Yeah, and you know who was out there on the last drive of the game? Rod Moore. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just like, there's all backups, and then Rod Moore is out there. I'm just like, I guess fine, whatever's going he, on. He this needs, guy. he needs, he needs the snaps. I mean, I guess because like even when he's out there, nothing's happening. That's getting to Rod Moore. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. I mean, yeah. and they well, they we started this earlier. They rotated. I don't know how many drives in two or three, and so I guess maybe there just aren't starters. Maybe you just have thirty some players that play on defense, and well, they, they all just come in. They want to know what they got. They want to know what Sab can do. They want to know what, which cornerback. They want to know if which one between Walker and uh, and Waller. and Waller is going to be. And by the way, the stadium announcer could not get a single Michigan name right. That's fine. Yeah, but um. Yeah, between the two of them, they could not figure. They they want to know, right? And at, once you get up fourteen nothing against Michigan State, it's like, okay, we got these guys. The second that they took the field, they could tell they got these guys. Well, I mean, it is interesting that we're in game eight, mm-hmm. and we have had what looks like a reshuffle of the cornerback depth chart. Yeah. So early, it was Keyshawn Harris as like CB three. Like you mean without? Okay, so so Sainer still Sainer still in Wallace. Sainer still in nickel. Um, but, but, Johnson was out. Johnson, he was out. He was, he was out, but he was coming Harris back, was and he was going to be number one. And we saw Jair Hill get in some early playing time, and mm-hmm. he's he, injured right but now. But that's though. probably like he's not on the depth. He's not he, on the injury report. But that's probably a four. Uh, yeah, but the injury report when they go on the road doesn't include guys that are going to be left home. Like that's it's not a full report. Oh, but that's just like a foreign redshirt, right? Well, probably at this the, point. It feels like, I mean, because they're doing it at the Rolder, because Rolder played yeah. a snap, mm-hmm. and like, but he was already announced he's going to redshirt, and I mean, that just feels like that's what they were going to do with Hill. Hey, if you extremely pop, we can't take you off the field, great. If not, 
I honestly, I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to pop in two years and go to the NFL. Well, well maybe. But, so Amorian Walker looks pretty bad in the spring game. Mm-hmm. Looks gets hurt in fall camp. Yeah, just comes back a couple weeks ago, and now Michigan's like, all right, we're going to put you out there, and you're going to look pretty good against Michigan State. Like that feels like movement. That's not going to be important for this year. Yeah, but it is going to be important for next year. And then Waller is like, I mean, yeah, he's like at the front of the line for the freshman corners. It seems and. I mean, do you remember? Do you, do you and guys, both those guys are huge. Yeah, well, <laughs> he is massive. Waller, they were looking at like everyone else is scouting him as a linebacker. They're like, "There's no way this guy can be a cornerback." And Michigan goes, "No, no, no we we can make this guy a cornerback." Ben Herbert's going to make this guy a cornerback. Yeah, and he looks like a cornerback. I mean, they had Jeremy Clark. That's I mean, th- that was the when first. you have yeah. guys that big, you can just play inside leverage on outside guys all day, every day. And if they run a fade on you, okay, right? Then you just Braden McGregor the ball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Singer still hit a pick six. Yeah, it was like was he out of bounds? Uh, probably. I, that's what I, I thought too. I couldn't. I, see, I haven't gotten to watch the replay. It was definitely and, call stand. See, we but, got to yeah. NBC it. So oh. oh oh, I'm surprised NBC didn't show like the the, the Notre did. Dame shot from 2009 that they were all mad about when oh. the guy like clearly had like a little bit of a foot on the line and Notre yeah. Dame fans are like, no, they have to reverse that because it's not enough evidence. In any case, that was a freebie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, also, um, State had, was it one or two? I think that was the one where they had the flagrant foul on that play, too. Yeah. yeah. So I think at that point the refs were just like, screw those guys. <laughs> well, I mean, that was really the first incident of unnecessary roughness in the game. Yeah. And they just booted the guy immediately. So. Well, Blake mm-hmm. got tackled out of bounds. That was after that. Was yeah. that after that? Yeah. Okay. And it was like, I, I don't even know. Nothing that, really came of that. It that was just a little... That wasn't that bad. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was just taking a guy to the ground after, late, but I didn't think there was malice in it. I just thought it was a little bit dumb. No, there... I mean, late, I think the state was trying to start some whatever, because like, they kept on pumping over to the sidelines. Whenever there's a play on the sidelines, they would get in each other's faces. But you could tell the referees, because the way they threw that guy out, it was like, no question, gone. And... I mean, when you watch the replay, it's, like, obvious that he's got to be <laughs> he like, those. He, like, literally nosedives well, on yeah. him. It is – I mean, they could have just called it targeting and kicked him out because that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So. Yeah. But – and they, they can actually look at that later. But I think the referees went into this game ready for that kind of thing and deciding they were going to throw somebody out the first second they saw something like it. Well, and there's then, personal fouls that aren't that – was, that was pretty egregious. Like, yeah. So. You were excited about Junior Colson. I – well – I got to watch the tape because I, I haven't gotten to watch a replay yet, and I was at the game. But I was keeping an eye on him because I last couple of weeks I've been a little nervous about things he's done. And I don't think I saw one bad play from him all game. So I And he, it wasn't like they weren't targeting him a little bit. Like Michigan State's run game was trying to get him to pick a gap, and he would pick a gap quickly, and that allows the tackle to get over to the other side, and then Michigan stuffs it up. Well, so. you were saying, Brian, that there's just not a lot of weaknesses on this defense, and it feels a little bit like that's your best hope. And if and if Colson kind of sl- shuts the door and I mean, picks if, the right play, then what are you going to do? I mean, if you if you've managed to pick on CB two, like I think Josh Wallace might not be ready for Igbuka or uh-huh. who didn't play this week. Yeah, they said he was real close, and they clearly. Didn't need to actually play anybody against Penn State, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if you are uh, an opposition offensive coordinator and you're looking at this defense, like, what are you thinking? You're thinking, 
okay, maybe their safety's a little rusty. Maybe I can get them out of position. Maybe I can attack Josh Wallace. Maybe the linebackers' zone drops are bad. And then everything else is like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we're at. Well, and also, if you want to start building a defense of anything, you start with a defensive line. Mm-hmm. And Michigan has two starting defensive lines that are better than pretty much any defensive line in the conference except for Penn State and Ohio State. Like yeah. The, like their second team line is Derek Moore, Kenneth Grant, Rashawn Benny, and Josiah Stewart. Josiah Stewart. Yeah. I, I was I – was, the only thing is, like, that might be better than Penn State without Chop Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> so you were like, well, I don't know. You <laughs> might be including too many State. teams yeah. here, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> I think you – I think we got our signals crossed about what direction my objection was. And it uh-huh. just – another game that I have, like, no safety notes. Like, there's – like, yeah. I have Nothing. Moore and Page each have a tackle, and then Moore was late on the one play, and, like, 15th drive or whatever it was, and right. there's just there's just nothing. Zeke Barry played. Yay! Yeah. 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 On special teams, I believe. No, he was on on defense one time because yeah, there was out. 10. There, there was one play where uh, McBurrows made the play, yeah. and if he hadn't made the play, Zeke Barry was going to get to him. All right, we should talk about McBurrows. We should, because mm-hmm. Mikey wants us to. Well, in addition <laughs> to the interception, they test him on a slant, and the slant is wide, but if it's not wide, it is 100% a PBU. He mm-hmm. played that excellently. And there were a couple other incidents where he's able to form up and tackle immediately. And he's been playing in the nickel. Mm-hmm. Michigan's going to need a nickel next year. And he came up and made that stick at the line. Like you talk about making a tackle, yeah. but it wasn't yeah. like downfield. It was he came up sort of, I don't know if he had to set the edge, but he got up to the line on a shorter play and wrapped up. Yeah. Uh, so pretty encouraging performance from a guy who might be an important part of next year's team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's obviously a nickel and not a cornerback now. Because he's not, they're not using him at cornerback at all. He's not part of that conversation, and that makes me a little bit questioned. Because like, no, if he was a great cornerback too, no, that he makes would be me feel better. Play. Because mm-hmm. a nickel is a different spot. Okay, I mean, it has a ton more run responsibility. The kind of things they're asking a DJ Waller to do, yeah, or an Amorian Walker to it, do. Those guys aren't playing nickel. Those guys, yeah, it's just out of the question. Yeah. So it makes sense for him to be a full time nickel. It's a starting spot in college football these days. Mm-hmm. I think. The fact that they're running with him exclusively there is actually a good sign for his future. Okay. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll see yeah. going to next year. All right. There's not a whole lot else to say. Do we do anything left? I know. Man, like, not on defense. All right. We're yeah. going to take a break, come back, talk about stuff. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach. And it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. Is your online store sluggish, outdated, underperforming, 
You may be suffering from chronic crappy website disorder. One in three online stores built by your brother's friend's nephew currently suffers from chronic crappy website. But now, there's hope. Introducing Human Element. Huel has helped hundreds suffering from CCW to turn their online stores around, creating fast, secure, and engaging online experiences that turn visitors into customers and put products back at the top of their search engine game. Before Huel, I had abandoned carts, browser errors, and poorly animated GIFs. Now, with Huel, I can focus on what I'm actually good at, running my business. Jeffrey, would you be a deer and pull the Ferrari around? Side effects may include increased traffic, customer conversions, better ROI, compliments, elation, and early retirement. Why live with the disappointment of chronic crappy website disorder? Speak to your human element consultant today to see if Huel is right for you. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. I asked the Lord to send me a sign I thought that I was blind Cause I ain't never see the sign But the sign showed after time And when I finally realized It was too late to rewind Cause I was just waiting on that sign So I got up And went out on my grind Cause I used to cry Cause ain't no food in the house Seeing all the older niggas, man, they used to shine Used to have the pretty girls and I just hoped that they was mine Hypnotized, I was just nine Black boy rock, the nigga right in front of my eyes Rap and kill time, the years flew by Till I got old enough to run up on you with the nine The light man, we became friends I see him so much, he cutting off the light again Dave, Dave, Dave Dave, Seth, Randy, Jason, I need takes hot. I need them to be hot takes. I need takes hotter than the seat of whoever put an innocuous YouTube quiz video up on the Spartan Stadium message on the scoreboards. <laughs> that was not innocuous. <laughs> I mean, there were 28 questions. Uh-huh. There were 28 questions. And the two questions before the Hitler question were like, how many colors are in the rainbow and what is the color of Spock's blood? This guy opened up the YouTube video and watched like four questions like, oh, this is fine. And on question 28, they hit him with the Hitler. I mean, can you imagine this guy who's just like, what? 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 <laughs> let, me, let me tell you where the problem is, all right? Like when you get to yeah. the, the two, if you have a sentence that says, 
the two questions before the Hitler question. <laughs> yeah, that's He's not bad. You screwed bad. something up. That was question 28. <laughs> Do you expect man, this guy to watch every single question? <laughs> I, I mean, getting paid minimum wage. Yes, yes, I do. Because the first rule of YouTube is watch the whole thing and make sure there's no Hitler on there. Right. <laughs> Seth, may I make a suggestion? Uh, this video and this particular line of questioning was played at another Big Ten school. Had you just sent someone there to watch the video ahead of time, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> You would know, and then you could avoid it. <laughs> okay, that was pretty funny. Thank you. Dave, give me your hottest take. Against Purdue, Michigan's offense and defense should just switch sides. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's playing quarterback? Michael Barrett. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. And if he's splitting out Mike Sainerstall and Will Johnson, I think I feel and okay. And Marion Walker? Yeah. Come on. All right. Yeah. Okay. The other okay. and JJ's going to play safety, and if you watched okay. the game a couple weeks ago, you know he's going to light somebody up because he said when he was a kid he lived in the penalty box. <laughs> Did he play hockey? This is the first time I'm hearing that. Yes. <laughs> Charles Matthews, a Kentucky transfer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out the biggest problem with this, and I still think we beat Purdue. Uh, yeah. Can kind of grant it fullback. <laughs> it's oh, coming. No, tight end. Tight end. He <laughs> has to pay, play offensive line. Like, no, you have other guys that can play. Brayden yeah. McGregor isn't going to be a tight Dude, end. Dude, so when I went to – Sean Petty would be a great guard. When I was, when I was uh, FBOing um, Brayden McGregor, like on offense, they just split him out and ran him down the field. And he just outjumps three guys as a tight end for a yeah. touchdown. You're yeah, just yeah. like – uh, if he doesn't want to play defensive end, I have a position. Mikey Samer still is receiver. All right. I think the challenge is we have to beat Purdue with one of the specialists at quarterback. Okay. That's uh, what can, I mean, they can do it. Mason Graham played both ways in high school. He was an offensive lineman. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Seth, give me your hottest take. James Franklin's assistants should turn him in for stealing signs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Elaborate. Well, you know he does it because everyone does it. So it's just like a moment, you know, like and and they could finally like this is their game. out. Yeah, this they is could, their out of the contract. They could get like, well, no, well, they're not going to get rid of him for like, just just like a three game suspension for like so a Mike period Yersich when they could be in charge of things. <laughs> they they got to have somebody on that field, like so whoever told them to go for it on uh, uh, for the, the two point conversion. Uh-huh. Somebody there mm-hmm. like knows something. So like the twenty five year old analyst. But do you know how many freaking tactical decisions were so bad oh in that my, game? Oh my god. Ugh. We're so Insane. bad. And like and, and every time he's got a big game, because you were right. You said all that Ohio State needed to win this game is Marvin Harrison. And I said Penn State has better players. I'm sorry, his name is Maserati Marv. Maserati Marvin. God, I can't wait till he gets nailed by a Michigan State team and we go, that's a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Buy America. <laughs> <laughs> he just got totaled. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's write that one down. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and so like they could get rid of him for like one of these big games and actually Great like point. not tactically destruct self destruct. All right. Yeah, I like that. I, I hope, it, that. I hope I it's like not it. the Michigan game. Yeah, it would be perfect for the Michigan game because then they'd be like, "Hey, we put our guy on suspension. What do yeah. you guys do?" Yeah. Randy, give me your hottest take. Okay, I've got a two parter. First part. <laughs> 
Alex Orgy's touchdown at the end of the game was the best garbage time touchdown in the history of Michigan football. <laughs> okay. Certainly the most satisfying. Yes. Therefore, part two, therefore Michigan should redshirt him this year. Give him a JD MBA degree so he can score that exact same touchdown against Michigan State with 10 seconds left in every game for the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, I, clear. I, I found that to be the most satisfying garbage time touchdown I've ever seen ever ever in Michigan history. I was so satisfied. Yes. Oh, what a absolutely! Especially after like they take a personal foul right before that. <laughs> yeah. Because it was fourth down, and yeah, like, oh, I'm like, gonna just hit this guy because I'm a jackass. I'm yeah. Like, All right. Were you rooting for him right. to go for two? Uh yeah. Okay. Especially because they scored 50 points in the previous two games. Yeah. yeah. So you get yeah. to crest yeah. that for the third straight game. That would have been. We're too positive. That would have been like a nasty thing. That, uh, I don't actually know. I'm checking myself because Harlan Barnett complaining about the end of the game would have been priceless. Mm. Yes, that would have been so much fun. Jason, give me been... your. Oops, sorry. Jason, give me your hottest take. All right. First, I have a punch up on Seth's hottest take. Okay. My okay. punch up is. Leon Franklin is a better coach than James Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in the program. If you yeah. Had to choose which Franklin? If you had to choose a Franklin to re- to run your team right now in the Big Ten, I'd choose Bonnie Franklin from One Day at a Time. <laughs> <laughs> These guys aren't old enough for that, man. All right, on. fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, and the other one is because I, I had a bunch. I had one that was simply J.J. McCarthy is God. I'm not doing that because I don't necessarily believe in God, but I believe in JJ. All right, here, here is my <laughs> M. Go Blog needs to make a T-shirt that says "You beat us in tunnels, we beat you on the field." <laughs> I want you guys to make that Jeez. shirt. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I'm not making that shirt. I, I, <laughs> Seth has vetoed it. <laughs> I'm not making you that shirt. We can get Underground Printing to make you a custom one, though. Yeah. They yeah. do, they do, uh, they no, do custom thought. apparel. At pogo.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Woo! Look at us! Then make, then make the shirt. Then make the shirt. Come for the Hitler trivia. <laughs> Stay for the game! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! It's like, how... like a really nice picture of Hitler. <laughs> like, he was whispering, he was like smiling upward. and just being like, "Oh, oh. want to play some yeah. Settlers of Catan?" Oh God! Come for the Hiles, stay for the Hales. Oh, oh my gosh. All right. uh, I, I think, uh, I, think uh, I think we're uh, that's it. about you, done here, guys. Uh, <laughs> That was great, Seth. I'm going to give you All lots right. of Here I go. That. Michigan State will never score another point against Michigan <laughs> in any sport. <laughs> wow. Please. Their hockey team's Let actually Let it be good. true in hockey. No, they're going to they're gonna fold the athletic department. What's going to mm-hmm. happen is they're going to hire Urban Meyer for $50 million a year, fully guaranteed contract. He's going to quit. But their contract is so bad that they have to pay him out. And so they have to go club <laughs> sports. In everything. <laughs> but they're still going to have to play Michigan. <laughs> and so a five foot seven point guard is going to get his shot blocked 74 times. <laughs> is, that, is it Foster Lawyer? No, he's going to be taller than Foster Lawyer. He's going to become an actual lawyer. <laughs> <laughs>
Foster right. paralegal. <laughs> All right. If you can't get enough scars, hit up the Nosebleeds, which is their reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass. Hit up their website. They are touring now. I just Thanks, guys. Go to Fort Go Collins. Blue. Love you, fellas. Go Blue. That was so fun. Thanks. All right. The number one piece of stuff was the clock management at the end of the first half. So Michigan gets the ball on like their 25-ish, and they got a two-minute drill, which they execute almost entirely competently. And then there's uh, two things that conspire to have them actually get a clock run off and end the half. One of them is that they run the ball for six yards after they get to like the Michigan State 40, use their last time out. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, and they with, think they're going to do it with a draw, but like, it's... well, I mean, with two timeouts, sure, yeah, because right? you want it because for the exact same reason we saw in this game, you want to keep that last one, right? And you have JJ McCarthy going absolutely nuts, right? So it seems like why are we doing this? And then the other thing, which is I think the only, well, it's not the only mistake JJ made, but it was one of the bigger mistakes is that they have first and goal, mm-hmm. and they don't have enough time to throw it over the middle. Yeah. And that's what happens. And he yeah. hits a check down to Edwards in front. Right. Yeah. So then yeah. you get it at the four. They actually have a great play set up, mm-hmm. but they're going too fast. Edwards doesn't fully get set, and then he moves Do back. Do you think so? I didn't think he got set. He didn't. He did not get what? He did not get set, but you are allowed to move backwards. That's what I thought. It's going in motion. Yes. If were, he just kept moving, he would have been fine. No, because he has to be set before he goes in motion. Okay. So okay. the whole offense so has get- to be set for one second, and then you can go in motion. Okay, yeah. If he had cut, gotten set, that would have been fine. I don't think he did. No, no, he didn't get set. And that wiped an A.J. Barner touchdown off the Do board. you think yeah. that they should have started the runoff at 12 seconds because they allowed the clock to tick down after a false start? Because that's what it was, right? Was the, the false start was... Was that's that's true. The, the play doesn't count. The play was at twelve seconds when they snapped it. Then it was right. at eight seconds at the end of the play. Right. And they counted the runoff from the end of the play. But right. that's that's the way it works. Like yeah. if you run a play, and then it gets called back for a penalty, they don't put that time back on the clock. Even if it's a false start, where the play doesn't count and it, it's pre-snap plan. It wasn't oh, a false start. It was a it was illegal it was, motion. It was illegal motion. Okay. So the okay. play gets to happen. Okay. Okay. So that was just like a confluence of worst case scenarios. Yeah, to... but other than that, honestly, that drive was maybe the most encouraging two minute drill of Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> he was thrown to the tight ends. Now we finally figured it out. Finally, Jim, if you you could throw it to your tight ends, okay, we're good. Okay, there yeah. were not really many other well, the, the game theory stuff is barely worth talking about because everybody's got it figured out except like. Kirk. Yeah. But Kirk was right, so whatever. Um, the only thing I had was, like, I didn't like Morgan's decision on the opening kickoff. No, I didn't either, but yeah. I was like, where are you going? Like, he's he's late. an in-state freshman. He's obviously going to take that out. And there's and then, a bunch of guys from West Bloomfield on the other team and on our team, and it's like, you know, you're playing in front of a whole... There was a whole West Bloomfield contingent so there. It was, it was a very understandable mistake, but the, then a mistake. The other thing that I found interesting was that Tyler Morris was, took the first... I don't know how many, four or five yeah. um, punt returns. And usually it starts thaw. What we've seen so far this year is thaw and then Morris, thaw, then Morris, thaw, then Morris. They alternate. And I and he had uh, at least the first three or four. And then I have thaw for one fair catch. But I think that was late. It was. Because yeah. it was in the second half. So I don't know if Morris is winning the job or they've decided to just go with one guy. But. I, th- I think Morris has won the job. I think that earlier in the season, he was letting a few drop, and that was obviously the reason why Thaw was the other guy. 
And now well, Thaw was always the first guy. Well, they, I mean, the way they he alternate, it, but they didn't officially alternate. It was just like by feel. That was yeah. Not, well, that, that's, that's that's what Jay Harbaugh said. He's like, you know, I I, I, I don't decide at the moment. That's what I want to do. I do. Jay's not. I know, but like, if you look back through the through the games, it's Thaw in the first one, and then Morris, and then Thaw, and then Morris, and then Thaw. No, there's like a Thaw, Thaw, Morris, more like there is. Okay, yeah. this this is. Turning into Morris we're trying like, to find things to talk about in this segment, you Brian. You told us to prepare things to Dental speak plan, about. Lisa needs There's, braces. Dental we didn't, plan, Lisa needs braces. We didn't have to kick any field goals. We barely had to punt. I know. What are you trying to talk about? We can talk about how does James Franklin, of all people, know that when you're down two touchdowns yes! and you score, you yes! go for two? Yes! Oh, I, my mind was blown. I was like, they're not actually going to do this. He didn't figure this out and nothing else. The only thing I would say is that... That decision is based on the premise that you have a 50-50 chance to gain three yards on one play. Right. And that cannot be applied to the Penn State offense. No. So do you for let's just We have Jamie in the room. We should wait until No, this is game theory. No, no, and we don't get to no. do this ever anymore. This, this okay. is this is interesting. No, this is interesting. Do you guys like that idea of when you're down by 14, you score a touchdown in the fourth quarter, you go for two. Do you like it? If the score is 42 to 34, yes. If you have an offense that can't gain a yard to save its life, no. So there are caveats for you. Well, I think it has to be a really extreme situation for it not to be a good idea. And I think that was it. Okay. So, so even when mm-hmm. James Franklin is ahead of the game theory curve, he's still wrong. Okay. Seth, do you like that idea in general? I think the idea is rock solid, and I think that he, you have to believe in your offense. If you tell your offense, look, you guys are, suck so bad that like you're going to turn a right decision wrong because you guys are that bad, the offense is going to be like... Okay, but if you kick a, an extra point, it's not going to be like... Drew is not going to be like, oh, man, I read on Football Outsiders that this is the incorrect decision, and I am going to perform even worse than I am already performing. So my thought... <laughs> I don't know, man. Drew Eller might be that guy. No, I don't think he is. So, <laughs> if, if someone's that guy, it's going to be a, like a Penn State or Michigan quarterback. Well, My yeah. thought on these things on, in this situation is that I generally like it, but I think there are two things you need. One, you need like what you said. You need a decent offense, but I think that comes down to you need a competent and good quarterback. And then the second thing is I think it also depends on your quarterback's mobility because okay. because those are – I feel much more comfortable with the team going for two when a quarterback, when you can set him up either on the run and give him a run throw option or when you can call a draw or when the defense can't just ignore him. Mm-hmm. Like, so in Aller's situation, he generally doesn't move well. I think you can drop the generally. He doesn't that. move well. Yeah, so right. therefore, you're going to be limited as to what you can call. And then the defense can prepare differently. But like you look at what when if the Chiefs are doing it with Mahomes or or Allen with the Bills or whatever, like it just feels if you need to get two yards, they're going to be able to get two yards. And and that's like you like so if Michigan was doing it with McCarthy, I'd feel really comfortable Mm -hmm. because he even if you make the wrong play call, there is a decent chance he just rescues it. Right. Hey, look, we got to do it. All right. We got to have like an actual conversation about game theory in 2023 when everybody is just making correct decisions. Thank you, James Franklin. Well done. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, realtor and lender. 
For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. We've been servicing Ann Arbor and Metro Detroit for over 40 years, and we know that the last thing you want to worry about is your heating and cooling system breaking down. Right now is a good time to sign up for our preventative maintenance plan, so you don't have to worry about it in November when the fourth quarters get interesting. Our maintenance members also get discounts and service calls, and you can rest assured our team plays tough in sun or snow and have never been called soft by Lou Holtz. Whether you need a tune-up, are ready for a new system, or want to upgrade your air quality before winter, call us anytime or schedule an appointment on our website at SharonsHeating.com. Hey, so I have like insurance and stuff, but I don't really like know what's going on with it. Yeah, you- it, your your coverage probably sucks and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein. He's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also like, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? They have a website. <laughs> they have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this, this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Welcome in, Jamie Mack, who just covered blog.com. How are you doing, Jamie? 
I'm doing well, guys. I am taking a break from the game show that's sweeping America. That is uh, Mass Murderer Leader Trivia. <laughs> I picked... I got eliminated, though. I, I, Paul Pye came up. I, I said he was from Ohio. Apparently, that's not true. <laughs> Apparently, that's wrong. I... I, I'm, I'm going to appeal that decision. I'll let you guys know next week how that goes. All right. The marquee game of the week, Ohio State 20, Penn State 12, in a game that was spiritually about 74-2. to two. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State, I mean, these stats don't tell the story because Penn State got a garbage time touchdown. But Ohio State gets held to 365 yards, Penn State 240. But, again, about half of that was nothing. Mm-hmm. Drew Aller, 18 of 42 for a buck 91, and before garbage time, that was uh, 118. Um, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen combined for 18 carries, which doesn't seem like enough carries given everything else that happens in this game. Just um, 84 yards, but I don't James Franklin is tactically the worst coach I've ever seen. Meanwhile— The game plan for this game was just absolutely— We'll, Bonkersly bad. We'll get into that. Yeah. Kyle McCord, 22 of 35 for 286, one touchdown, no interceptions. 11 of those catches and 16 of those targets go to Marvin Harrison, 162 and a touchdown. The Ohio State ground game can do essentially nothing. Mine Williams, 24 carries, 62 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chip Tranum, 9 carries, 22 yards. So Ohio State has Marvin Harrison and they win the end. You were yeah. right. I was wrong. You were right. Well, I mean. You were right. Yeah. You, no, you don't have to don't care about that. But, like, you know, you you watch this game and, like, this offense for Penn State is just, they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And the main reason they can't do anything is because they have Drew Aller, a pocket quarterback who can do nothing outside the pocket, can't do anything off platform. And everybody except Olu Fashanu on their offensive line is just a guy. Yeah. Right? And that doesn't work against Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, Drew Aller, compare him to J.J. McCarthy. It looks like they're playing a different sport when they're off schedule and off platform. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Um, compare him to J.J. McCarthy last year when he was a true yeah, sophomore. That's what I was going to say. Not even just this year, but last year. Yeah. I mean, we can pick apart his, his throwing and whatnot, but you know, a couple of scrambles, he gave up yards because he kind of just was indecisive. And he has this thing, too, where he evades pressure, runs up to the line of scrimmage, and instead of... You know, trying to get yards, he stops and throws an incomplete to nobody. He did that at least three times yesterday. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was a bad performance. Marvin Harrison Jr. with a little dash of Cade Stover. The two of them combined for 232 yards, which was more offense than Penn State had total until that garbage and, time drive. And what were they doing with all of them? They were playing man. And I get yeah. when you you got Penn State's defense, you got to try it, right? You got to see what you can do. But after it doesn't work, and it didn't work I mean, very early. Wait, like. Like Ohio State scored twenty points in this yeah. game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there is a defensive approach that Penn State could have taken that would have got them a better result, especially considering the fact that their offense was just giving the ball back after three and outs every. every yeah, game. it's hard. That's, to... that's true. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that Michigan called and, and told them that Ohio State's going to throw the ball on fourth and two from the uh, from the two yard. They don't line. need to steal any <laughs> signals for that. That's the same thing they did against Purdue in that game. Mm-hmm. They got absolutely. Yeah. Dump truck den. Yeah. But, but Ryan Day probably thinks so. Well, and like everybody knew it was coming. Like yeah. the Penn State defense was like, all right, we got a bunch set over here. It's, it's screen time. Yep. Yeah. And, and that play didn't come close to succeeding. It did. No. Everybody blew yeah. it up. But that's why this, this, the yardage doesn't look the same because Ohio State got down to the two and doesn't get any points out of it. Well, but that's Ohio State. Yeah. Right? Like they, they 
are terrible yeah. in short yardage. Yeah. And that is baked into their program now at this point. They were able to get into Penn State territory on seven of their 13 drives. And they did that largely because whenever they needed to, they could dial up a chunk play to Marvin Harrison. They had terrible field position once, and they got a 40-yarder out to midfield, mm-hmm. which is like the third time that's happened this, this year, year where they're yeah. buried in field position and they get a chunk play to Harrison. And they lined him in the slot 35% of the time mm-hmm. yesterday. A lot of that's because Bekwa was out. But they did scheme up some open looks looks for him, you know, RPS plus to them on that. And that's it'll be interesting to see if they keep him in the slot 35% versus 20 going in the rest of the year because that could be that's they should have had more than 20 points scored on them and it was how do you face ohio state under ryan day and go with michigan's 2018 defense i don't necessarily think that's the case because okay they they move the ball some but 360 yards Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. a lot of drives because again your offense isn't doing anything and yeah they're going to cross midfield but at some point they're going to get a third and two and well, then they're going to not either not convert on the ground or not convert in the air, and they're going to kick a field goal. Well, because Ohio State had a different team in 2018 than they do now. But like, so but you're still Marvin Harrisoning them, and that's what you do. But their first touchdown was incredibly fortunate because they get, I would say, a borderline holding call on Kalen King uh-huh. that wipes out a defensive touchdown. And then Penn State yeah. melts down after the, right after that for a couple plays. Somewhat understandable. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, you know, if that holding call doesn't get called you're looking at a second half where it's like what 13 to 6 mm-hmm. Penn State and then yeah. you're going into overtime probably in this game yeah it's hard to put the game on hard to lay fault with Penn State's defense I mean guys like Johnny yeah. Dixon and Daquan Hardy I mean they they just balled out on the non Marvin Harrison targets and and you know really a lot of Harrison's yards he'd get a good play and then they'd still have to punt like you were detailing yeah. they, bog, yeah. they bogged down so I mean, you could say that, hey, over two years, he's got 21 balls against Penn State and has had 20 first downs or touchdowns. You know, but on the other hand, they still were in range the whole way yesterday. If they were able to get any offense at all yeah. on their own accord, this would have been a different story. And, you know, to me, I thought this game aesthetically was a lot like the 2007 Michigan-Ohio State game where it was 7-3 at halftime. And then when Beanie Wells gets that touchdown to make it 14-3, it's like, well, this game's over. Michigan's not going to have the offense. That whole third quarter, we're just waiting for Ohio State to get up that second score. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. And Penn State pretty much lingered until late in the fourth quarter. Well, what did Michigan have in that game? A quarterback with a bum shoulder who couldn't throw the ball more than seven yards. Yeah. Well, yeah. one time he did. The Cortisone quarterback shot just gate. tackled the guy. And I was like, well, that's smart. Yeah. yeah unfortunate but smart uh-huh yeah. yeah so we have to talk about how stupid james franklin is i'm in because we talked about this briefly in the game theory segment but mm-hmm. there was a series of offensive play calls in this game that were unbelievably stupid so there's a an attempted double pass where you throw to the boundary <sighs> yeah you have nobody blocking for your receiver he is never going to have time to get that off yeah he'd eat that yeah that was right after a turnover that set them up a plus, not not deep plus, but like Ohio State's 47-yard line. That was their chance that right was, there. Yeah, yeah, right there. And then the next play, they drop back, and they're trying to block JTT with a split-flow tight end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For, I mean, I just, I just made a, a gesture. It's a very yeah. visual they, podcast. They, they, have, they have this thing about JTT where like, they need to make him look better I mean, like I when don't. he plays Penn State. And then their third down, it's like third and long now. They just check down to a drag. And I'm like, you're in plus territory. Yeah. yeah. You you need to take a shot. It's probably not going to work. But if you just throw a fade up, maybe there's a PI or just something. Yeah. You cannot just give up and punt. And that's exactly what they did. 
And I was yeah. like, that three play sequence was just like, if I was a Penn State fan, I would be on the warpath. That is like Josh Gaddis against Army level stupid. Yeah. Yes. They also, yeah. oh, I was just say, they also tried another trick play earlier in the game, and Alar threw it away so poorly, the refs had to huddle decide, to decide if whether it was not intentional grounding. It wasn't, but two trick plays that just were so poorly well, designed, and, Ohio State yeah, and and they did a, up. They did a flea flicker off of a run that they never run. Well, yeah, they did the Tech Mobile flea flicker. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but, like, they never run that. They've never shown anything off of that. Yeah, and right. you're not afraid of their run game. So what does Ohio State do? They had their safeties back over the tight end. Mm-hmm. And they want to throw the tight end. I'm like, of course. Your tight end doesn't block. Why would he worry about him? Well, and also they've got two guys running the same route. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why it looked almost like intentional grounding. Because right. he wasn't sure which to throw to. And he kind of split the difference. And the refs were like, was that targeted to anybody? <laughs> I mean, how did you guys feel at the end? Penn State needs to get a first down. It's third and three or third and two. And Ohio State shows uh, shows two linebackers blitzing in the inside. They drop them out. There is nobody on the inside on third and two. And it's a pass play. They don't bother checking. They don't bother looking at, like, that huge gap they're giving them and saying, okay, worst case scenario, I'm running my running back into the linebackers. Was that in the first half before they – we're going to go for it on fourth down. They call timeout and punt it. Is that the third no? Down that play? wasn't that okay. one. That right. wasn't that one. There was a, that was another one though. Yeah. Like the and that's a been a Franklin special, right? Where yeah. he's got like a fourth and one where the, he probably should go for it. Yeah, and he just brings his offense out there, pretends less clock run down, mm-hmm. and then burns a timeout. Yeah, there <sighs> I, were I mean three sequences in the first half where I kind of thought that they sort of abandoned what they had been doing the first mm-hmm. six games of the year. First play of the game, seven yard run. I mean, I would run it again. Now, and then, yeah, then they throw it. Throw it and throw yeah. it. Two incompletes. And then Fun. there was another time where, uh, well, this this third and one, they threw an incomplete. And all season, it's like that's at least two plays to get one yard. And they capitulate and punt. Yeah. And then in between those two drives, still in the first half, obviously, they ripped off a pair of tw- a 20-yard and a 16-yard run by Singleton. I mean, Caden Wallace goes out there and eliminates Eichenberg on the second level. Mm-hmm. Sonny Styles has no idea about the run lanes. And I'm like – Run that again, and instead they pass and they take a sack, and then they had to pass on second to pass and third down. They kick a field goal. Like I just felt like, yeah. Before I, garbage time in this game, you have 18 carries for 84 yards from your running backs, mm-hmm. and you have something like 40 attempts for 118 yards from your quarterback. And yeah, it's like how how does that make any sense at all? No, and there was no at no point was Drew hot. Where you're like, all right, let's ride this hot hand. He was, <laughs> he, was he was he was always dealing dead. So I, yeah. I definitely don't, you know, don't understand that. And they were never in a position where they were chasing points either until the very end. So no, they, and they, 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 they weren't doing it out of desperation either. I I mean I Franklin's not a, he's a CEO. Like yeah, well, like his offenses have always gone based on who the coordinator is. So yeah. it's like a bunch of garbage, and then Joe Moorhead, and then that's a bunch of garbage again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. I mean, I always think back on the, you know, when I just defined who James Franklin is, Michigan had no defensive tackles. Indiana took us to overtime, and we almost lost that game. <laughs> and then the next week, they have Saquon Barkley and a zone outside uh, stretch offense in 2015, and they, don't, they barely ever ran him. Like, we, they, they just let us off the hook. Mm-hmm. And Michigan wins that game fairly comfortably, and I'm like, thank you, James Franklin. There's another big game. And this, again, felt like another big game where Penn State's tactical errors are just so great that it did not give his team a chance to win. I mean, I guess yes and no. I just don't know what they were supposed to do. Because you have that receiver core, which was dominated 
by the Ohio State defensive backs, even though Denzel Burke was out. Mm-hmm. Like, they could just man up against those guys. They didn't fear anybody. Yeah. And so you can't do anything on schedule, and you can't do anything off schedule because Drew Aller yeah. is a statue. I mean, you could have run the ball some more, I guess, but, you know. You have two games all year on your schedule. Penn State's schedule is no harder than Michigan's. Mm-hmm. You have two games all year. But they, they, don't, they don't have any talent. I was surprised. Come that, up with an idea. Yeah, right, right. Their solution is to recruit the next Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. But I was surprised at how little their tight ends and running backs featured in the pass game. I thought that these that, that collection would have to flirt with 100 yards receiving for them to get enough offense to win and only five catches for 60 yards out of the two running backs and the two tight ends. And they had a 35-yarder on one of those plays. So really only one decent play out of those guys and uh, you know that's what's been moving the chains for them all year in the passing game short little you know uh, catching passes them and they just that was not part of the game yesterday no it was not and I mean I don't know how sustainable the ground game was going to be because those chunk runs you talk about were like clear Ohio State errors right like there's a defense I think it was JTT just flew up field on a power play and was just gone so yeah Mm -hmm. space and then as you mentioned like, Styles just completely biffed a run lane. Yeah, it would have just been nice to have seen a third run in a row right there. Or That's just, all. But like, or I, I don't know or if some was, play action. I don't know if it was going to work, but, you know, if you are heavy run in this game, then you do get to take some play action shots. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of those breaks through. Right. And I don't know. At halftime, like, I think the, the announce crew was like, well, why don't they just throw it downfield and hope for the all-PI offense? And I was like... <laughs> Honestly, yeah. One, that's a really sad state of affairs if that's the best suggestion they got. Yeah. Two, they are right. Right. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think afterwards? Franklin said that uh, those were the two, two the, best. Yeah. I think he said two of the two the two best teams in America, particularly on defense. And I'm like, James, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought when Ohio State had the ball that maybe so. I was watching two of the top five teams. I hope he thinks so. I hope he thinks that. I think. I hope Ryan Day thinks that. Stealing signs is the reason he's lost to Michigan twice in a row. And I hope James Franklin thinks that this was his Super Bowl and Michigan's going to not be as much of a problem for him. Yeah. Please, please go in this way. What do you guys think about Ryan Day kneeling out the end of the first half? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> please do that in five weeks. <laughs> I mean, on, in one way it is defensible because it's like, how does Penn State win this game? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I said they were going to get a couple pick sixes and they got like one turnover and it Got called back. Yeah. Well, they netted negative yards on their first two drives of the second half. So there was a brief moment where it looked like giving up on those final 50 seconds of the first half was going to cost them. But, I mean, we know how the rest of the game He's, played out. I mean, Ryan Day is a you know risk avoidance extremist. Mm-hmm. So, that I mean, it didn't surprise me that much. I was like, you know, when they went out there, I'm like, he's probably not going to try to. I, th- I thought they were going to, like, run one time and see what they get and then, you know, run it out. Yeah. I mean, I'd at least try one. One pass to Marv and see what happens. But Yeah, I mean, know. if you just throw a fade 40 yards downfield to Marvin Harrison, well, that's got a pretty good yeah. Yeah. outcome a big chunk of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, actually, the more covered he is, the, the better he is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, when you're an alien, that, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't – I think it was Baumgartner was tweeting about this, about how you can throw him a ball that's not a very good ball and he'll just catch it without breaking stride. Right. Uh-huh. And yeah. that – I mean, that's – McCord was not good in this game. Like, mm. he got bailed out by Harrison on a number of throws, not just because, like, Harrison 
like you'd expect a wide receiver to catch it, but maybe he goes to the ground. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't get any yak. Like the the second Ohio State touchdown was the same thing. That ball's on his hip, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think almost every other wide receiver in the country is going to the ground to catch that, and it's five yards. Yeah. yeah. Instead, doesn't even break stride. Touchdown. Right. And and the second he catches, not to interrupt you, you could see that it's going that way. Yeah. That he's yeah. going to go around, break, contain, and get in the end zone where most other receivers would just get down. Stover did one of those too for him. Well, I mean, Stover's Stover's a very good player. Like, yeah. I was a little bit, you know, iffy on him, but this year he's obviously. Well, I put him on the cover oh, of the yeah. magazine this year. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've <got laughs> we have a lot of respect for that guy. They've got a chance, especially with the Bowers injury, to get the Blitnikoff winner and the Mackey winner. Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe. We'll see. I've got a couple nuanced things about this game. I'll sure. do it really quickly. Devin Brown, remember he, they were using him suddenly as their short yardage goal line guy. He goes out of the game with an injury. They admitted afterwards that. He's their four-minute quarterback. If they have to choke a game out in the fourth quarter, they're putting him in. That's what they said. Really? So that's what. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's interesting. They don't feel comfortable having to close out because that injury the game. was like a card off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it feels like he's done for the regular season. They I, said it was an ankle issue. So if it's a high ankle sprain, like you know, a month is like the best case scenario. Yeah. And now, like if McCord goes out, like this, Haskins is not coming in the game. Yeah. Mm, no. No. I don't really even know who's would be up next. Actually, uh, you've got me on the spot here. I'm sure that's a good. I, group, uh, but I mean, I'm probably a true freshman. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Who was their freshman this year? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, the only the other nuanced thing I want to bring up is um, Penn State's first drive in the second half. They've got the ball at midfield. It's a third and three. And you might remember last week I mentioned that, hey, you know, Knowles has been kind of playing a bend-but-don't-break game. He's not pressure all the time because he knows he has a talent advantage. He's kind of adjusted his game. And I was wondering, when is he going to become the old Jim Knowles? And he did. He dialed up a cover zero blitz, stuffed him for a TFL. That might have been a chance if they had gained two yards, get the fourth and one. Maybe Franklin goes for it. But instead, fourth and five, and they, and they punt. Well, I just thought that was interesting because he has not been doing that all, all year. Yeah, and I, I remember that play specifically and it, like i was like all right well, he's going back to cover zero and then i was just like but they don't they're not afraid of any of these receivers no like, yeah they don't this is not a gamble because it's a very good point like, these <laughs> guys fair. aren't going to do anything with that and yeah. I, I would be surprised i mean he'll probably do it a couple times against michigan just as a change-up because it is kind of worth the, the the uh the risk occasionally if michigan mm-hmm. has a third and one and they're just going to wedge you right like, yeah yeah but you know, aside from Penn State like fluking out a win based on that that fumble return touchdown, this is pretty much I think the best case scenario for Michigan because Penn State looks like no threat. No, especially because Michigan's going to have more or less Ohio State's defense, and Ohio State couldn't run the ball at all against a defense that I think is a little bit worse than Michigan on the, on the ground. Yeah, I mean they were like. 33 here it is. Yeah, 33 carries for 84 yards from their from their two running backs. And if Michigan just decides like, okay, Will Johnson, you're on Marvin Harrison, and we get that, you know, Aaron Burbridge versus Jordan Lewis matchup, mm-hmm. like I think he's going to win enough of those that Ohio State's not really going to be able to move up all that much. Now, how much has their defense improved from last year? They they're obviously giving up far fewer big plays. The offenses they have played are not very good. Yes, correct. So you know, we'll see, but, you know, I came out of this game more confident about Michigan's ability to win the Big Ten, go to the playoff. Yeah, I, I, I did too. I think that um, Ohio State's run issues continue to plague them. Um, and, you know, this is a program that has Michigan ran on them all day in 2021. So what they do last year, they're going to make sure nobody does that again. And then Michigan kills them in the big play. What have they been doing this year? 
We're just going to make sure nobody gets the big play on us. And and I think they're good at keeping that down. But, you know, Michigan's just such a different ball game than what we saw out of Penn State. Um, they're going to come in maybe with the Heisman Trophy favorite. They're, he's currently he's right now the yeah. betting favorite. And, yeah. and deservedly so, even though he hasn't taken a real fourth quarter snap. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely be, agree. It, I yeah. I had a good conversation with my dad before the game about what do we want out of this game? What did, you know? And we we decided well we don't like Ohio State, so we want to see Penn State win. And we talked after the game, and we're like, you know what? That actually was a good Ohio State win for us. It looked like they were still as vulnerable as they've looked, you know, all year. And Michigan is obviously in great position to take advantage of that. Yep. All right. We are going to move on to the funniest game of the week and also the saddest game of the week. Minnesota twelve. Iowa 10, a game highlighted by a punt Ugh. with about two minutes left from Iowa, where everybody's like, what are we doing here? But Kirk Ferentz knew mm-hmm. that his best shot at a win was Cooper Deshaun mm-hmm. returning a punt for a touchdown. And what does he do? He, did he returns it. a punt for a touchdown after it bounces twice, and he's tightroping the sideline, yep. and you're just like, what is going on? How Bra- breaks a tackle right when he catches the right when he gets ball. Two, yeah, and, yeah, and like, oh my gosh, that was like, you. And the, the funny thing is, everyone knew that it, when once it gets called back for whatever it was called back for, it was game over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone knew that, like, okay, Iowa still has a minute twenty left in timeouts, and they just need a field goal, and they just need a field goal, and everyone knows they're not going to get it, mm-hmm. and so they review it, and. What they are reviewing at first has to be whether he stepped out because yeah, he was tied that's, up. That's what I thought they were reviewing it for the whole time. And then the review just goes on and on and on and on. And they come back and they're like, well, he made an illegal fair catch signal because he was doing a fire uh-huh. sort of thing. And I said that this was like a I owe the mob 100K sort of call from the replay official. And people in my mentions are like bringing up the rule book and being like, it's technically – but. Technically, yeah, we so, see this ignored, yeah, more yeah. often than we see it called. Right, what, what he was doing was using one hand to like tell everybody stay back. Well, he was pointing way, at the yeah. ball with pointing one ball hand, and, and he was then, doing this. Right, well, that's a very visual podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was pointing at the ball with one hand. Yeah. He was waving his other arm to be like, "Get away! Get yeah. away! Get away!" And yeah. I feel like there's no reasonable way to interpret that as a fair catch signal. Well, no, none of the uh, eleven Minnesota players interpreted no. it like that either. Yeah. They were they were trying their best to tackle him, obviously. Yeah, that was really terrible, but maybe America wins because of that. I mean, but, yeah, on the one hand, uh, yeah, it, is yeah. a, it is a stunning a injustice more- <laughs> to Cooper DeJean. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, thank God Minnesota won yeah. this game. <laughs> that's a good point, though, at the start, because Cooper DeJean is a magic gonna... man, and that, that, that was a moment that, that just gets taken away. Wait a minute here. Do you think this means Iowa's not going to win the West? Because I'm telling you, Iowa's still going to win the West. I mean, they could. I don't them, think so. They could go eight and four and win the yeah, West. Gonna, I'm putting this down right now. They're going to they're going to play this exact same game the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. It's a coin flip every game. There's yeah, no. and and going eight, if so, they have to lose two more games to go eight and four, and that still wins in the West if Wisconsin loses a game. With Wisconsin almost yeah. didn't do that. Well, I, mean, I know that's stop. This, no, stop. No, but, but, you're, you're making me very upset, Seth. Okay. I want you to stop doing that. <laughs> I. I think that this offense is going to absorb at least another loss or two. I mean, they're just that they're just that bad. You know, remember, you know, when you have like this terrible defense and like good and then bad offenses get these great numbers against terrible defenses. And the announcer says, well, that was the tonic for this bad offense. Every bad defense. This is the tonic for because Minnesota's defense was not playing great. And they shut them down. Purdue's defense is terrible. They shut them down. Michigan State. 
they shut them down. I mean, I just feel like this offense is going to betray them and, and give them another the rest of their schedule. Total oh. yards for Iowa against the Minnesota Golden Gophers, 127. At 70 on their first drive. Yeah. So they got a scripted drive, and they mm-hmm. got 67 yards the rest of an entire football game. Yeah. Seth, do you not think this team can lose games? <laughs> oh, like, they're going to lose games. Their rest of their schedule is Northwestern. They can't lose that. But they often lose to Northwestern. They can absolutely lose to Northwestern. They can lose to Northwestern, but they're probably going to beat them, you know, 6-2. No. to two. A.J. Henning's going to go off. He's they have, be like, I got you. You know it. They have Rutgers. They think it might be a night they're game. They're definitely losing That's, to Rutgers. Yeah. That's, like, that's totally a game that Rutgers could, like, screw up. Somehow. No, they're gonna, Rutgers are going to throw four times and win. I've decided. They, have, I, they play Illinois at home. L. <laughs> and then they play Nebraska and Lincoln. L. Lose out. Yeah. That's what I got. I think they're going to go 8-4. and four. L, 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 L. They're going to go 8-4. and four. They're 6-2 and two right now. So I just need them to go 2-2 two and two against that schedule. And I think they're going to win the Big Ten West. With a 5-4 and four record? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Possible. Uh, I mean, I mean we, we've actually been waiting for a 5-4 and so, four Big Ten West champion for several years. It's so, I mean, about time it happens, Minnesota right? Minnesota would have the tiebreaker on them, but Minnesota's not getting to 5-4. and four. Yeah, boy, Minnesota's got to be kicking themselves about that Northwestern outcome, or they would be in yeah. the catbird seat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amazingly so. Uh, how do you – oh, I was just going to ask Seth how he feels about his – Backup Iowa quarterback theory these days. <laughs> do you do you yes. like do you like uh, Deacon Hills minus point five three EPA per dropback and run since well, the, he's taken over? The problem is they turned him into the Iowa starter. <laughs> do you know who they should be starting? Is the pig farmer for Utah? Yeah. How does Iowa not have the pig farmer to walk on? Yeah. If uh, Iowa had a pig farmer walk on, all their problems would be solved. Yeah. I'm just going to go over some stats here because I feel like I have to, even though I don't want to. Ethan Calic Manis, 10 of 25 for a buck 26. 101 of those yards go to Daniel Jackson. So, I mean, he has 13 mm-hmm. of the 24, uh, 25 targets. Their ground game is actually kind of decent, but Calic Manis ends up running eight times for negative seven yards because he's got sacks and whatnot in there. But Darius Taylor, 16 for 59. Uh, 59. Uh, Zach Evans, oh, 10 for 44. Iowa does nothing. That's, I'm not even going to. Nope, not, nope, not. Nope. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth <laughs> you it. Can't just, he yeah. just got to the Iowa offense. I saw him flip to the Iowa offense page and just made a face. Yeah. Deontay, Deontay <laughs> Vines had a really cool catch on the first drive, and that's all they did. There you go. And so uh, 12 to 10, and there you go. Uh, yeah. What an abomination. I want Kirk Ferentz to be fired. I know that's not happening. I know I just I just hate this dumb thing. And what I want yeah. to when if USC is smart, they're gonna go hire Phil Parker. Yeah. They're gonna like if if Lincoln Riley is Boy, smart. Boy, that's a game changer. If Lincoln Riley is smart, he's going to have his salary and give Phil Parker yeah. three and a half million dollars a year to be his defensive coordinator. Phil Parker's kids are probably in that hospital. I like, like have, held hostage? Yes. <laughs> His kids are like in their 30s now. He doesn't know that. He hasn't seen them. They're. <laughs> just, uh, I'm just. I'm just. <laughs> they're, they've been, how long has Phil Parker been there? How could he. Why no, would he leave now? No, there's two Phil Parkers. Oh. The other Phil Parker reti- retired, and then they, their new de- defensive coordinator is also named Phil Parker. They'd clone him or something? It looks like it, yes. I don't really know what's going on in Iowa these days. Maybe they did clone him. <laughs> All right. Uh huh. Nebraska 17, Northwestern 9. Way to go, Nebraska. Let's boost that strength of schedule. You know it. Uh, hideous game as well. 257 yards to 248. Uh, Heinrich Harburg throws picks uh, in, I think, 
the first two drives mm-hmm. that Nebraska had. Um, but he recovers somewhat. <laughs> so, uh, runs for 72 yards and a 20-yard tw- touchdown. Um, 85 passing yards total in this game, so, so not uh, his best outing. Brendan Sullivan, 12 of 23, buck 76, and one interception. They can't do anything on the ground aside from a 39-yard run from uh, Anthony Titus III. And uh, they get a 66-yard catch from Brendan Kurtz, and that's it. That's their offense. That was their offense. Those two plays set up two field goals, and outside of those two plays, they only averaged two and a half yards per pop. You kind of hinted at it at the top, but you almost have to talk about how this game started for Nebraska. It was a total... Disaster. Harburg throws a pick on the first play of the game. Uh, then their second drive starts at their own one, and they can't, you know, they're not in position to do anything and they have to punt. Then their third possession, first play of their first, uh, their third possession rather, is a um, loss after a fumble. And then the next play, Harburg throws another pick. Each of Northwestern's first three drives started in plus territory, but they went backwards on all three and they only got a field goal. And I think at any point during the Scott Frost era and even the Mike Riley era, so that's eight years, they're down 14 nothing at least, and mm. they can't get off the mat. Not only did they get off the mat, but <laughs> granted, it's just Northwestern's offense, but this Nebraska defense kind of looked like they thrived being put in those positions. And you know who led the charge? Our guy that yeah, we've always Hockmeyer. talked about, Hockmeyer, yeah. Yeah. gets a sack and a TFL on those three drives. And basically – Plays with a swag that I've not seen out of Nebraska defensive linemen for a long time. And, and you know, he didn't have the greatest game as it went on, according to the PFF grades at least. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that was just fun to see. They call him the polar bear, I guess. I didn't know that until yesterday's broadcast. But Nebraska, they've got things going. They're going they it. have a winning record going into the final week of October for only the second time in the last nine years. Their schedule is kind of easy at this point. I almost think they're – guaranteed a bowl game and they might hang around this big 10 west race and make that black friday game somewhat interesting from a stake standpoint but they've got purdue michigan state next two weeks i think this defense is more than enough to win those games yeah and then maryland wisconsin and iowa with the wisconsin game on the road i mean i think they can get another win out of those three that's seven wins would you take over six and a half right now if you could i think i would especially because Mm -hmm. like so northwestern runs for 81 yards in this game yeah so they're from a Michigan perspective, Nebraska has given up a hundred yards in one of their games. Yeah. yeah. And that was two hundred and forty nine to Michigan. Yeah. So this is a real run defense. Hutmacher mm-hmm. is a dude. And I think Nebraska has some traction here. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when they go up against Tonga Vailoa because they haven't really faced a particularly good quarterback since Shutter Sanders and they yeah. held him in check for mm-hmm. a half and then it kind of fell apart because, you know, Jeff Sims sapped all the belief out of yeah. that defense. But yeah. Brandon Sullivan was I mean, he is a new level of bad. I know. You know? I, I know. The but... only I think the only big play they had, he was in the middle of getting sacked and he just chucks it up in the air and like That's Nebraska, that sixty six yarder. Yeah, and Nebraska fall uh, the cornerback falls down and mm-hmm. then Henning comes down with it. Yeah. But I mean this is a team that put up forty five points or something on Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. So like even if you're playing bad teams Continually doing this to bad teams is worth yeah. something. That's the story of Michigan season. Right. Is that the level of dominance that they are putting out there on defense, even against a Northwestern, means something. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I don't want to do this to compare Illinois and Northwestern to Michigan, but, you know, Michigan went for positive .27 EPA per play against Nebraska. Illinois and Northwestern flirted with minus .3. 
And, you know, this is a team that minus 0.71 EPA per rush against Illinois, minus 0.24 EPA per rush against Northwestern, and Michigan was in the positive on that. And those are the two games since that. So they have, uh, not to use the get-off-the-mat cliche again, but they have risen and are punching, and they're punching hard. And I just, I like the vibe around this team. For the first time, I can't even remember when. Are we done playing them every year? Because they, can they just beat up on teams and, like, Michigan's not going to be locked in with them now that the Big Ten's expanding and we're going to have Western teams all the time? Yeah, I mean, I think... So I don't have to worry about rule, like, <laughs> actually being a problem for Michigan? Well, we're in the middle of a six-game series with Nebraska, but that's obviously off the table with expansion, so I don't know where yeah. where that is. Uh, well, I don't think we have them next year. No, we don't. So yeah. um, go ahead, bro. Go do your thing. Wisconsin 25, Illinois 21 in a game that Illinois simply booted. Uh, fourth quarter, 18-point comeback from the Badgers to send Illinois to, what, 2-4? and four? Not 3-5. 3-5. 3-5. and, five. Three and, five. Three and five. They're, they're off this week with Michigan. So Tanner Mordecai is out, uh, possibly for a long time, bringing in Braden Locke. I'm not going to spell that, but it's not <laughs> appropriate to – Name that guy. 21 of 41, 240 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Braylon Allen goes off 29 uh, attempts, 151 yards. And Illinois' Luke Altmaier, uh, 100 yards passing on 21 attempts. Two touchdowns, though. He does run for yeah. 100 yards. Oh, he kept, a, he kept escaping. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know how he got out of there sometimes. He's I, such, so thin. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised as I was watching this game that his passing numbers were so low because for three quarters, I thought he was really – Really solid. Like, he did a really good job of getting outside the pocket and throwing quick passes. And, you know, Wisconsin's linebackers, which annually are such a strength, just had issues setting the edge and issues containing him all all day. They, I mean, when they get to, like, third and six, and then, like, they'd have him contained, and then all of a sudden he's like a murder all. He just disappears into yeah. a shadow, and then yeah. you can't find him. And then all of a sudden there he is running down the sideline. Yeah. Like, where? how did he get there? But they, they had this game 21-7 to late in the third quarter, and it's the seventh time since Belimas took over at Illinois that they have uh, lost a game that they've led in the fourth quarter. Last year those losses conspired to keep them out of the Big Ten championship game this year this loss at least sort of puts them uh sort of puts their back up against the wall as far as bowl eligibility well but they have an easy november schedule so i'm not writing them off at six wins yet th- but this game changed when jerzon newton went out good good point yeah because like he come he he had targeting a, on a sack he had a sack and he all he has to do is finish the sack and it was targeting mm-hmm. he knew it too like he he got up, and instead of celebrating, he knew he was about ready to get tossed. Yeah, and, and the fans knew it, too, because, you know, there's a difference in the stadium between, like, the, oh, my guy did something dumb, and the, or my guy got tossed for no reason. Yeah. They, and the next play, I swear, like, it, it, all day, it, it, he, was, he was denting the line, and Wisconsin couldn't throw, and all of a sudden, they've got time. Mm-hmm. And the next play is that big throw downfield, and it's like... Okay, and then Braylon Abbott Brown's uh, breaking tackles, and mm-hmm. he willed them back in. So Absolutely. one team, ha- they both team, ha- both of these teams have one guy, one star. Yeah. Illinois goes out, Wisconsin goes off, and that's it. Yeah, he had uh, 14 carries for 99 yards on those last three drives, and those those were the drives that Wisconsin got, yeah. that got all their comeback points on, and some so. catches. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He finally got broke free for a 12-yard catch. I mean, he's been averaging like two yards a catch or something well, like that. Well, because he broke a tackle in the backfield on that yeah. and then rumbles downfield. So 
this game was playing out at the same time as Iowa, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and at the same time as Nebraska, Northwestern. First of all, we should not have three Big Ten West games going on at the same time. That's, That's dangerous. That is very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But I watched these three games play out, and my thought was, is everybody in the Big Ten West stealing each other's signs? Uh, you know, because they, you know, the defense has dominated all the games, and I was wondering, are they really stealing the signs, or did the coaches just agree to tell each other the signs so at least everybody's defenses would look good? I, you know. Because uh, it just every, I mean, every series in these in these three games just was a was a failure on on offense. I got news for you: one, everyone steals each other's signs. No, I know, I know. Two, nobody had anyone signs this weekend, and th- <laughs> right, and, and three, there's like four plays in the entire Big Ten West, and everyone knows them all. Yeah, just to illustrate your point about the post Newton ejection, Wisconsin's first seven drives only 172 total yards. 4.1 yards per play, a 39% success rate. Last three drives, 217 yards, 6 yards per pop, and a 51% success rate. So Big Ten West jockeying for the championship game. Uh, functionally, both these teams have two losses. Yes. Because Wisconsin plays Ohio State next week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen. The rest of the schedule, it looks pretty tractable for each one. Iowa, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. And Wisconsin, Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Hmm. Given what we've seen from the Iowa offense versus the Wisconsin offense, I think Wisconsin is more likely, because Indiana is probably a dub for both these teams because they're just a mess. And Northwestern, I'd rather be playing. Jamie... This man does not know how to Big Ten West. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> what? you're looking in like you're 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 like this is a better football team. They're going to no, win but, a football game. Okay, but Indiana, <laughs> you is need like, to stop doing this. Indiana is like an exception <laughs> given the state of who they are. Yeah, right. Okay. Now. Okay. And Granted, Indiana Indiana, yeah. Indiana is more of a MAC West team, not a Big Ten. West but if you, team. I mean, but if you don't think Iowa's going to win two games. Stupidly, in well, this thing. but I just and I, Wisconsin's going to win out. It like, feels you know. like the. Iowa offense makes every one of their games a coin flip, and yes. Wisconsin can at least still rely on Braylon Allen. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, if I was going to bet on someone at this point, it would be Wisconsin. I would not come. I would not put a bet anywhere. Well, no. You have, have to put a gun to my head. Yeah, but right. if I, where was a gun well, to my I head? Be, I'm picking the Badgers. Yeah, I would be interested in seeing what the odds were and maybe putting a, putting a small amount on either Minnesota or, or Nebraska because they would have longer odds. And I think this is going to just become more of a muddled chase as November gets on. Because yeah. as you've detailed, this Iowa team, there's no way they're not absorbing another loss. And you pointed out Wisconsin with Ohio State next week. But they're inconsistent enough where I can easily foresee another loss as well. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska has both of them. And Minnesota already has a win against Iowa. And they play Wisconsin. And Flex won three to the last, you know, he's three and two in the last five against Wisconsin. And so. Nebraska would be a fun little bet to put down. Just because, like, there's there's a level of competence on that team yeah. that is not sustainable on any other team. Well, it kind of feels like they have the best coach in the division at this point. <laughs> I yeah. Think, yeah. Three I mean, weeks ago, if you had said that Matt Rule was doing the best first-year coaching job in the Big Ten, you would have been laughed at. But now no, it's clear-cut. No. Now it's clear-cut. I thought it was already clear-cut. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Just because of the defense improvements that we saw? Yeah. And last year, Fair enough. The, the Nebraska-Michigan game was the most humiliating opponent performance I've probably ever charted. Yeah. They were just awful, mm-hmm. pathetic. This is going to last for another three days, and then that, that, that record's going to be over. But go ahead. Well, 
In any case, uh, <laughs> our final game of the week is Rutgers 31, Indiana 14. Sorry to even bring this up, Jamie. It's all right. Gavin Wimsett, 5 of 12 for 39 yards and a 17-point win. He does run for 143 yards, including an 80-yard touchdown. Kyle Manunga, 24 for a buck 09. Uh, I don't really need to discuss the receivers. No. Brennan Soresby. Receivers, they existed. <laughs> 15 of 31 for a buck 26. Uh, Soresby runs for 49 yards himself, but just not enough to beat a Rutgers team that was essentially running it down the throat of Indiana all day. Yeah, that Wimsat, Wimsat touchdown you referenced uh, more or less iced the game and iced bowl eligibility for Rutgers. And it was just a you know quarterback's own read, and he um, juked the Indiana defender, and it looked a lot like the Tate Forcier juke against Notre Dame in 2009. And Matt Millen was also doing the announcing. I was just waiting and waiting for a comparison, <laughs> and it did not did not happen. But um, Rutgers had an 80-20 rush pass split, um, and despite that, they still had a 53% rushing success rate and was positive 0.1 EPA per rush. It's hard to be positive EPA per rush in general, let alone well, with 53 attempts. They're doing – so Manongai is uh, kind of like a full backy and running yeah. back, and they're doing the Rich Rod thing that, uh, that they did with Denard, where you actually just – you, you don't even have a zone read. You fake the, the zone read, and then you use the running back as a lead blocker. Exactly. And because of that, now you have one extra guy in your running game all the time. And I think that's what's the, the secret of their running game. You can get a you know functional offense out of that if you have a decent runner at quarterback. And I think Shiano's a smart coach. And oh, I agree. I mean, he doesn't have the players. He's never going to have the players. Never. But, like, this is, you know... Congratulations! They are bowl out. They are oh, going yeah. to a bowl. And their celebration in the locker room kind of showed how important it is. I mean, yeah, it looked like they had you know won a division title or something. But no, but they get to come to Detroit. That's that's maybe. worth the celebration. We'll see, we'll see where they end up. You know, when I went to the Rutgers athletic uh, department website to kind of get a little stats, I was greeted with a bowl ticket information uh, <laughs> sign up sheet. Can yeah, you, yeah. Can you forward I, I put that to ten? Bo- I put ten down for MGO blog. Is that okay? Okay. Is that, yeah. is that should I just forward them right to well, Brian McKenzie, Brian, or, or do you want to handle the, the Brian allotment? McKenzie was going to be out for a minute when he thought Shiano turned us in, but Shiano right. like completely disclaimed that. Right. So now, now, now we're we're back to being Rutgers. It was fans. It, was a, it was a pretty cool graphic. They had. Um, you know, we're going bowling, and they had a logo of all six of the teams they'd beaten on a bowling pin that they were, and a bowling ball was crushing it. It was, it was pretty good. It was, I, w- I liked it. Go Rutgers. If I was Rutgers, I would not be mentioning the teams they beat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of the teams that Michigan has beaten, though, throw East Carolina out of the window and throw Indiana because they've only played one game. But um, UNLV, UNLV, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Minnesota, 13-4 and four since they played Michigan. Well, there you go. UNLV. UNLV Maybe Mountain West champions. We'll see. Let's not get ahead of ourselves with Rutgers, though, because their upcoming schedule is Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, and Maryland. Are they done winning until the possible bowl game? Uh, We've talked about Iowa's on the table for sure. They could definitely be Iowa. They could, but I still think they're going to drop that in Iowa City. They could beat this game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, man, Drew Aller was the best um, quarterback for PFF under pressure. Going into this game. Oh, what? Yeah, he, he had an 80 grade under pressure. Wow. His cumulative grade now under pressure, I noticed, is 70. So that took a big, yeah. big dive. Well, you know what? Putting UMass and Delaware pressure is a little bit different, different than Ohio yeah. State. Ohio State pressure and Rutgers pressure is pretty intense sometimes. Yeah, so. Aaron Lewis, who's maybe an all Big Ten defensive end. Yeah. Yeah, well, Tom Brown can pick him. I wanted to get this tweet in here somewhere. Adam Kramer, who's a golf guy on Twitter, uh, wrote Penn State is Iowa with a finished basement. Oh. Yeah. 
Could be. Absolutely accurate. I love that one. All right. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks, guys. It was fun. Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow.